0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the predictable mixed bag for college basketball. BYU won and Utah lost. Utah had ninth ranked UCLA coming in. They had their chances. They ended up losing sixty-three fifty-eight. They had a chance. They had two chances to hit a 3 at the end of the game, tie it, and force overtime. Probably UCLA would have had a few seconds left. And they couldn't get it to go. And they had empty possessions before that. Lost a possession on a charge, went one for two at the free throw line. And they had their chances. One point game with two minutes to go. And they got one point the rest of the way. So it's great that they stayed that close to the number nine team in the country. uh, But they're just, the margin for error is real small. The losses keep adding up. All the guys look really dejected at the end of the game. You see Craig Smith with his typical energy come out, clapping, trying to pump them up. But they, you know, after the second three didn't go in, they knew they were beaten. And it's frustrating. If you've ever been on a team that's gone through that, and I was in high school, uh, it sticks with you. I can feel it right now. <laughs> and it is just no fun. When you finally get one and break through, it's awesome. My gosh, when you're putting a losing streak together, it's just awful. UCLA, gone. They get the win. They pack up and head to uh, Colorado. And here comes USC on the weekend, 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, the Utes, you got to give them credit for hanging in there. Moral victories, blah, 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 and you want to win. But is really good, and the Utes aren't and they were right there. BYU got it done. USD hung around. It was close. It was a real close game, about 15 minutes to go. BYU put a good run on him and USD fought back and got it close. Barcelo, 22 points. He's the man as always. Troy comes up big again. He has another double-double. He has really saved the day. And you've got to have some kind of inside presence. And I'm sure everybody wishes he were four or five inches taller and swatted shots and intimidated guys and all that. But, man, he doesn't back down from anybody. He is tough all day long. And he's skilled. It's not just, you know, and they you know, just wrecking guys. Uh, he's skilled, and he'll he'll score, and he'll give you some toughness inside. So BYU gets the win 79-71. All right, let's get to the
1: Cougar Post game Just a little bit here. Mark Pope and Alex Barcelos spoke with the media afterwards. I thought it was a great, great game tonight. San Diego's a really good team. Uh, we were tied second in the conference with them. Uh, we knew it was going to be a battle coming into this game. They're a great rebounding team. Um, they, they really get to the glass. They, they had their best player back, their leading scorer. Um, Coming off a broken wrist. I thought that we, we did a really good job on him as well as their other shooters. There was a, a couple of slip ups and miscommunications that we had in the first half, but I mean, we came, our, our, our conversation at, at halftime was just, hey, it's 0 0. It's 31 31 coming into the second half, and we were going to bring as much energy as we can. We were going to tighten up uh, on the communication slip ups that we had, and uh, we were just going to continue to battle throughout the game. And we, we tried not to, there, there was a lot of emotion that came out in the second half with, with refs, with players, with um, just within teams, and thought that we did a really good job battling that frustration, which is what these, these coaches preached to us every day. And uh, we, we did a really good job, I think, handling the, the glass. Um, there was a couple, I mean, they just every possession we're focused on rebounding. I just, I love it. We're, we're always locked in. And, and I just remember the, the last time I checked into the game, these coaches were just like, hey, tell your teammates, hit first, hit second. And uh, we, we need to stay locked in on that. And that's what's going to win us the game as well as taking care of the ball. Uh, and I just thought that our, our energy was was great I mean Gideon played extremely well Caleb I mean he was he was great on the glass I thought Seneca just provided a uh a great amount of energy in the first half and he was really finding his spots and, and hitting shots and I just I thought that we were all having fun out there and, and we just we, we love the emotion that comes with it, especially when we win.
2: Yeah, so it was, a, it was a really important matchup for us because they played so big. I mean they're playing Parrish at the three a lot. They're playing uh Erlington at the three. I mean those are you know, six six six, two forty. Right. And um, so they're playing down. They moved all their guys down. They're playing really big. And, and so sent at the three was really important for us defensively. He's been a, he's been a ter- you know, his numbers are, 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 are great defensively for us. And uh, he was really, really terrific at handling that physicality. And he, was, he helped us out in transition. He helped us handle the ball. He actually made uh, several plays in the second half. Uh, that didn't lead to scores for him. It led to plays for other guys. I thought he was terrific tonight. But those matchups were super important. You know, uh, play, uh, playing against a big lineup, it's really convenient that we can play big, a big three. It's really convenient. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I think you could look at it like that. I just the the think... the, the, the in game uh, guys don't. They talk to Alex, so I don't know. What, what, why did you move him to last? <laughs> I
1: don't, I don't know. I didn't know we had control. Whatever. Over nah, that. He just <laughs> to See, here we go. No, he's just—he's so fun to play with, and and he deserves everything that's that's coming to him because he's just like Coach said. I mean, he's just so talented. The game's slow to him, but. I just love how he comes into every day in practice. He's so willing to work and to, to get better and to listen to these coaches as well as his teammates. Um, it, it, he's just so much fun to play with. So
2: Foose and Atiki, just just to get a sense of, of their life right now. So they were in study hall hammering away at nine o'clock this morning, and in between study hall and classes, they finally finished up at one o'clock. Like it's unbelievable what these these two are doing, and 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 you know, in a real sense, like. They're going a long way towards saving, saving Alex's senior year and, and, and our season. They've been thrust into this really, really difficult situation, and they're ringing the bell. It's pretty sure. awesome. Those guys are, can't say enough good things about those young men.
0: All right, there's Mark Pope and Alex Barcelo. When we come back, Lincoln Kennedy is talking football and NFL playoffs. Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy next. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at Lee'sHeatAC.com. Lincoln, good morning. Oh man. Getting ready for another uh, week of NFL playoffs. Also, right. also getting ready for a vacation, but that's a different story. But I'm very <laughs> I'm very excited. I haven't haven't gone on vacation in a couple of years. This is going to be awesome. Good for you. Yeah. So, not so good for the Raiders. Honestly, I, they were in that game. I honestly thought the Raiders were going to do it.
3: Yeah, you know what? It was one of those games where they, they, they hung in there. And they gave a great fight, just like the, the entire season, but just came up a little bit short in
0: the end. There's a whole theory that you've got to be aggressive and you got to go for touchdowns and field goals don't beat anybody, and that theory took a big hit in that playoff game. Because one of the reasons I thought the Raiders had a shot is when the Bengals had a momentum and everything was going great and they had field position and they were just barely making the play. You know, oh, that's a great catch, but you don't make that catch every possession. They settled for field goals, and I thought, they're letting the Raiders hang in there and the football gods will punish you for that, and they ultimately didn't. The Raiders kicked field goals, too. Does this take a swipe at everybody who's, you gotta be aggressive and go for it and go win the game? Or no? no? No, you know,
3: here's here's the thing. I, I think that there are coaches out there that tend to overthink and try to play uh, against or, or or you know, uh, what's the best way of saying it? Just are, are, are not in the in the right frame when they when they talk about momentum or going forward. For example, look at Los Angeles Chargers this past year um, when they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, the second game. Um, they left nine points off the board because they yes. kept going for it on fourth down and came up empty, and that nine points actually came back to haunt them because they ended up going overtime and they lost by a touchdown. So I think that you have to play smart and don't overthink things. But there are times where you can be aggressive, and there's times where you just have to take what what you know what, what the football guys have given you at that point.
0: It's become a big deal about how the TV crew handled the inadvertent whistle, and they said that they heard it. Now, they've got headsets on, and they got mics all over the field. I'm not sure that you have that same thing, and if you do, not to the same degree. I've called basketball games, which is obviously a smaller environment, right. and depending on the arena, you can be closer to the floor. But I've called it where I've heard a whistle but wasn't sure if it came from the floor or the stands. And I found that confusing. And so I, I get how people get confused broadcasting and even how players get confused not knowing where the whistle came from and can stop. But when it ultimately turns out that it was a referee's whistle, I forget all that and I think, dude, do you not know when to blow your whistle? Right. That wasn't close. There are situations where there could be an inadvertent whistle. That wasn't close.
3: Yeah. And the the thing was, is that we didn't hear it in the broadcast booth until we got the report from the TV crew what what it happened. And the thing was, you know, look, I understand mistakes happen, human error happens. I don't have a problem with that. But in this day and age, when we have the technology and we have the things that are available at our disposal, just want them to get it right. Whether it's the replay, you see what happened, you, you slow it down, you, you just want to get it right. The... the I'm not saying that the the Bengals wouldn't have scored. I'm not saying that that would have changed the outcome. But you can ill afford in a playoff game when you're really the only game that's being played at that time and being watched by everybody who's a football fan or a sports fan, period. You can ill afford to have a mistake – that resonates like that and not be able to do something about it or correct it. So my, my point is, is this, is that an inadvertent whistle or oh, the whistle, they, they, okay, so according to the rules, you got to replay it down. The, the, the play is dead, dead you've got to replay it down. Go replay it down. That's just it. Go, <laughs> go replay it down over and over again. Don't just move on. After you realize that there was a mistake, you understand your mistake. You know it happens. Okay. Well, let's let's correct it. Let's just let, let's just get it right. Don't ignore it like it didn't happen. And that's one of the things. The reason why uh, there were reports that 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 uh, officiating crew isn't working any more playoff games because that was a big mistake that they just let go.
0: They shouldn't be working any more playoff games. I mean, they shouldn't, you're, because you're right. You're 100% right. It might not have changed the outcome of the game. Bengals might have scored it on the next play or on the replay, and they could have won right. the game anyway. They might have settled for a field goal and right. still won the game. So it's not whining about that. It's just when I'm watching football, I'm, if you're refereeing at this level, you have to know you can't blow the whistle then. Sure. you just You have to know that. And if you do, you can't be rewarded with another playoff game.
4: I, I totally agree. 100%. I totally agree. It.
3: So... so that's, that's the same crew that, that worked a, a game earlier. Just a little side note, that crew worked... Uh, well, the, the main referee, Boger, worked a, a game earlier this year um, in Las Vegas. And at the coin toss, he said the Oakland Raiders will choose to defer the kick. And it was like, in Las Vegas, I'm like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. So uh, <laughs>
0: I find that stuff hilarious, but you know, I'm a San Diego Charger fan. I got my feelings yeah. hurt when they went to L.A. And so every time somebody slips... Uh, Michael Wilbon did it on PTI. He said, The Raiders, you know, they got that weather out there in California. And when he was done, Tony said, Well, number one, they're not in California. California exactly. And number two, don't ever bring up the weather because they play in a dome in Vegas. Exactly. So, you know, Wilbon was like, Ah, you know, everybody's making that mistake. The uh, Not this current coach, but the previous coach, when he was introduced, in LA, they just moved there, and he said San Diego Chargers. Did he? Yeah, yeah. in his press conference, and I thought. Well, it was when, when I was doing
3: radio for years, and then uh, I had I had the hardest time saying the Los Angeles Chargers. I would say San Diego every time because growing up in San Diego, I was always used to them being the San Diego Chargers. It was it is what it is. Yep.
0: All right, so the playoffs continue now, and uh, PK will always say you're going to pick the team with the best quarterback. Like, well. Why would you pick against the best quarterback in such a (laughs) quarterback-dominant league? And the one reason to do that is the young guys getting experience. Now, we have seen young guys win Super Bowls, but also it's been very hard for them to do that the first time they're in the playoffs. You know, the first time Mahomes was in the playoffs, they lost to the Patriots in the AFC title game. Then they went to two Super Bowls and won the first one. So I'm curious if you think... Joe Burr, he looks like a guy who's going to win a Super Bowl one day, which is a difficult thing to guarantee, but it does look probable. But do you think he can do it right now? Should we be looking at the Bengals as a Super Bowl contender right now?
3: I don't think they're strong enough right now. Um, they've got some holes, especially on the defensive side. They've got some holes that I don't know if they can overcome. Uh, especially looking at some of the AFC teams. But when you look at the when you look at what what, what Joe Burrow has at his disposal, uh, I knew in the the last week's game the Raiders did not have an answer for Jamar Chase. The the fact is is that the the way the Raiders play defense, um, they they put you know a Different corner in the boundary, whether it was Brandon Faison or Desmond Trufant. Each time the Bengals went after that boundary corner, with Jamar Chase or another receiver, and they, they, and they didn't have an answer. They, there was no way they could stop it. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the same case going forward for the Bengals. So I think that they're close. I think they're a good team. It's good for the city, you know. After 30 years, finally winning a playoff game. Um, it was a great environment, a great atmosphere. But I, I don't. I, I think the road ends soon for the for the Bengals, and it'll be this weekend.
0: The other AFC playoff game, super intriguing. Oh, wait, I, before, before we go any further, yeah, do you think it ends the, It ends this weekend? Uh, how are they going to – is Tannehill going to sling it and going to be the man and just drop back and beat him and, and pick on the matchups that you're talking about? Or do you actually expect a guy with a plate in his foot to go out and run for 100 yards? I
3: expect them to rely heavily, or at least see what he can do um, You're not really going to get away from who you are defensive wise defensively, I think the Titans have done a good job at playing better throughout the year, uh, despite not having their you know their, their big running back. But now that he's back, I think they're going to rely heavily on him to see what he can do or how he can help going forward.
0: All right, Derek Henry, when I heard him say he still had a plate in his foot, I thought, you're going to play in an NFL playoff game with a plate in your foot. I can't wait to see how this looks. He is so good, but a plate in your foot, that sounds like a major problem.
3: Yeah, you know what? It, 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 anyone's guess, when you come back from that type of injury to see how a running back is going to do, I think it, it weighs heavily for the Titans going forward because, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're the number one seed and they played the way they did and got what they uh, achieved without Derrick Henry was a surprise. I kind of roped them off when he went down with the injury. But, you know, and give, give Coach uh, Vrabel the credit due because he found a way to rally his team and, and get them playing some smart football. They're, they're a pretty good team. I don't necessarily think they're the best team in the AFC, but I think they're a really good one. And at home, I like their momentum.
0: Lincoln Kennedy Raider radio analyst joining us. So Chiefs Bills, who do you have?
3: Um, I like the Bills this time. I think that, you know, last year when you watched the Chiefs-Bills game in the AFC Championship, one of the biggest things that Joshua Allen struggled with was reading defenses. This year he's been much better prepared. Uh, Dable uh, did a great job with him this season on how to read and recognize defenses. And he's just one of those guys that's going to take it upon himself, like a Patrick Mahomes, to make the plays when it comes. When it comes the difference is the defensive side of the ball. I think the Bills' defense is much better than the Chiefs' defense, so I like the Bills'.
0: Now, you've been down on the Chiefs all year, and you've talked about you know the extra hangover playoff over, games, yep. the hangover yep. from losing the Super Bowl, and they've had some key personnel turnover in the middle of this run. Yes, the coach and quarterback have stayed in place, but not everybody else has. I'm curious if the if they break through and beat the Bills here, will you finally get on the Chiefs or will you just keep picking against them every week?
3: No, no. It's, you know what? It, look, I, I, I will admit when I was wrong. I thought there was going to be a Super Bowl hangover. I think one of the biggest things they did right was they got themselves Melvin Ingram on defense, which really helped out. Um, you watch that Denver game. Denver had him until Ingram made that play and fumbled for a touchdown. Uh, I don't know how you don't block a defensive end on a run play, but, hey, that's, <laughs> that's a, the Broncos' problem. Um, but it, when it was when all said and done the Chiefs are still good because they've got a quarterback they've got a system that can generate points and everyone's intimidated by them. so much of your point that you started with the, the first interview about you know Phil those are going to win you got to score touchdowns that's sort of been the mindset in the AFC especially when you play against that team and it's harder to do than people give credit for it's harder to get touchdowns sometimes you just have to play the percentages hope that your defense can get a stop or get a turnover or maybe even get lucky like they did in that Broncos game but the, the fact is is that the chiefs are a good football team they've turned the corner they find found a way to right their defense in a way to where they can they can still give their offense the the slight edge um, if they're able to overcome this game against the bills I've been high on the bills all season if they've been able if they can overcome the bills then I think they deserve another shot at the, in, in the super Bowl and I think they'll probably end up getting it.
0: Some people pick NFL games and they do the pools and they use the confidence points where you're not just picking the games, but you're ranking them. And you put the most points on the game you have the most confidence in. So this week, if there were – there's four games. So there'd be – I'd put four points on the Packers beating the Niners. i go on the radio and make definitive statements, and far too often it comes back to bite me and P.K. and yacht get to (laughs) laugh at me and mock me. But I don't see how the Niners win this game against the Packers – unless they get a bunch of turnovers, and that's what the Packers don't do. Rodgers, 37 touchdown passes, only four interceptions. Best in the league. That's, that's it. So how do the Niners win this game? Do they just have to turn that pass rush loose? Because that's their most elite unit. That's where their advantage usually is. And if the front four dominates, they win, and otherwise they get beat.
3: Time of possession controlling the clock. Good old-fashioned football tends to win their playoff season like this when you're able to run the football. The fact that the 49ers are a run-first team really aids them and, and and helps them. If the Packers don't have an answer to contain the run of the 49ers, the 49ers should control the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline most of the day.
0: So, Debo, yeah. throw him short passes, hand him the ball, run the clock.
3: Use it. Use it. Everything that you can to, to matriculate your way down the field, nice. take your time, and still find a way to score touchdowns. That puts the pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Not that he can't handle it, especially with his offense is capable, but if you put them in a pass-first situation where they have to keep up, then the advantage goes to your defensive front, where you can generate pressure at your front four because your secondary is a, a weakness that can be exposed.
0: I love that when you drop in matriculate right there. That just tells me you're probably late 40s early 50s. I mean, I know you're 50, but yeah, you're late yeah. 40s early 50s. You watched NFL films cuz you love football and when games weren't on and you saw the coach mic'd up during the Super Bowl, Hank Stram, matriculate the ball down the field, guys. That's right. True story, true. story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bucks and the Rams, super intriguing. The Rams, they've got the talent to beat anybody, but that means you have to pick against Tom Brady, and that probably makes the average gambler break out in a cold sweat.
3: Yeah, how about that? Um, you know, I, early this year when uh, Stafford went to the Rams, I, I remember one of the things I did is I, I went to my, my, Vegas, my Vegas friend, and I put down $100 on 27-1 to 1 odds that the Rams would be in the NFC championship. <laughs> And they're that close. And the reason why, because I said the Rams were going to do, go all out, do whatever they could. They want. They have a Super Bowl-filling team right now. They needed a quarterback. And I thought that when the Lions gave up Stafford, that's all they needed. With Stafford's ability, you know, that he's thrown picks, and he's, he's kept them down. They haven't been as, as favored as they should have been. But they're still a good football team. And you saw what they did against the Cardinals. With that being said, I don't know if it's going to be enough to – to beat even a depleted Bucks team. They really have to have a great game. More importantly, Stafford can't afford to throw interceptions. And if we've seen anything out of Todd Bowles over the last couple of years, his defense has been ready to answer the challenge. So with that being said... I- I, I hope the Rams win for my wallet's sake. I just don't know if they can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for joining us. The pleasure is mine, man. Be, be, be well. We'll talk soon. There's radio Analyst Lincoln Kennedy talking NFL playoffs. When we come back, Joe Ingles, the Jazz. Ugh, it's a rough stretch here. They have lost six out of seven. What's gone wrong? We'll talk with Joe. Stay with us. DJ and PK, Joe Ingles joined us in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday, and we're going to replay that conversation. He'll drop some last nights talking about the sixth loss in the last seven games as they fell at home to the last place Houston Rockets, worst team in the West. But uh, here's Joe on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
5: Hey!
0: Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Is it really a good morning, Joe? Jazz fans are cranky.
7: Uh, I had a great morning with my kids. So There you go. Um, got up with Jack at 6 o'clock or whatever and hung out with him and just dropped Jacob at school and heading in now to uh, lift and get some treatment and then watch some film.
0: Can you predict what kind of film you're going to be seeing? Do you know what Quinn... Have you already run through the game in your mind? Quinn's going to want to talk about this and that and definitely that.
7: Um, yeah, I've got, ai think, eight years in with him. I've got a fair idea um, what, we'll, uh, what we'll be seeing and um, talking about or, or listening to more, probably more. Um, so, yeah, it'll be... I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say it's fun, but it's obviously it's obviously good to see it all. Um, it's good to see. It, it's good to talk about it. Um, we're not going to somehow like go back in time and get a win from last night. So we, we, we've got to move forward. And obviously, things to fix and things to work on, and, and um, you yeah, know, keep getting better.
0: I assume there'll be something about uh, defending the three-pointer. He was. Uh, he got to that pretty quickly in his post-game remarks. Too many open threes allowed.
7: Yeah, I think um, like, like the, the obvious ones that stand out, like the, the couple that Matthew sees in transition. Um, I think as soon as he kind of subbed in, more or less, and um, gets him going a little bit, and then uh, I think for, for the kind of a, a middle patch of the game, we did alright. And then obviously towards the end, Gordon hits a couple and um I think Brooks the other kid might have hit one or two um so it's, yeah I mean it's uh, like i said it's it's frustrating it's um things that we can control we can, we can not lose sight of our man or know what our rotations are or, or what the coverage is um, for either a certain player or uh, obviously as a, as a team what we're, what, we're, what we're trying to do either obviously we we go out with what we go into every game with a with a game plan, and um, obviously the coaches spent a lot of time kind of digging into that to, to let us know what Matthews wants to do, or, or whatever it is, or, or what the sets are. So, uh, it's obviously frustrating when you watch we watch a lot of film um, anyway, even when we're winning, we, we watch a lot of film. So. Um, to, to see it all and obviously talk about it, we had a shoot around, um, and then obviously to, to still have breakdowns. And then I, I think in the the bigger picture, having multiple breakdowns in in, in, in uh, whatever you call it, a bigger stretch of games at the moment um, is obviously the, the frustrating part. And uh, that's the part on the players, like obviously Quinn is not out there? That whoever's scouted is is isn't out there? So we've got to. Got to lock in and and and, and get it done. And um, there's no kind of showed multiple times this year when we when we are getting it done. We're we're a really good team. So um, it's almost like <laughs> get to the point where it's almost enough talk about it. We we need to go out and do it before. Um, yeah, just. Yeah, yeah, it gets frustrating.
0: Can you personally draw lines connecting these last 10 games? You've lost seven of the last 10, which is highly unusual in the time you've been with the team these last five years or so. There haven't been many stretches like this. Can you draw kind of the string that connects these losses? This is the trend. This is what's what's, uh, sinking us here?
7: Yeah, I mean – I know people don't want to hear like COVID and it's not an excuse but we we've had guys out um, obviously Rudy being a big chunk of that um, Rudy Gay was out we've all we've all kind of missed games in this chunk and no by like by no means a an excuse or a, or a reason we've we've been I mean you look at Rudy Gobert we've played over the last five years he's missed I think someone I saw it like four or five games in five years or like give or take whatever that is so um not only not having him but then not having Hassan for a couple um and obviously not playing with a center is is different i've never not played with a center eight years of being here so um but on the flip side of that again like not using that as an excuse we've also done a really good job in my eight years here of that next man stepping up whoever that might be regardless of who it is and, and we've been pretty effective in in stretches like you said i don't I couldn't remember, or, or even if we have had a time that we've lost seven out of ten in the last few years. So, um, yeah, it's just frustrating. There's obviously a, a lot of breakdowns. You can look at the offensive side of there is has been games we haven't shot well, but again, we've for, for years and years now we've we've relied on the defensive end, and obviously the Guards from a, from a guard's point of view, staying in front of our man and, and competing, and, and again knowing the scout individually and, and as, as a team, and then, um, again with with the scout, where the big's helping, where Rudy's helping, where he's not, where where we are, um, not on our own, but we we can't obviously just rely on Rudy to to block a shot every single time. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely, obviously, the defensive end has been, um. Concerning, frustrating, whatever you want to call it. offense. Uh, I think maybe sometimes if we are making shots, it, it probably covers it up a little bit because we are still putting points on the board. Um, but when we're not shooting as well, I mean, Quint said it a million times in the past when we're not playing as well offensively. We've got to rely even more, and it puts a bit more pressure defensively on our and our team. And we've yeah, the the moments we've got to step up. That's what it is in the playoffs when. Where teams know every off edge or every offensive set you try to run, you've got to be, um, you've got to execute. And then if, if you're not, or not making shots, or not being able to get the same looks, because it's obviously a, a lot more scouted, um, you've got to rely on that defensive end. And, and, and we haven't been able to do that. We've been giving up transition. That was a, a big thing early on, and we, we did a really good job of getting that back to. I think we were ranked last a month ago or something and we've we've got that number Uh, a lot better as a team but then obviously other things staying in front of guys rotations whatever the whatever it looks like but we've obviously like I said we've got to be a lot better
0: there are plenty of Jazz fans who've hit us up on social media who say the team's playing tight Ainge is sitting over there masked up, looking like some kind of movie villain because COVID requires everyone to wear a mask. And, you know, he's the new CEO and people don't have personal relationships with him because he hasn't been around the club for years like other people have. And so can you address that? To what degree do you think the trade deadline and, and the new masked CEO is weighing on guys?
7: <laughs> Who we'll ask him if he can get a special request to not wear a mask. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, I mean, I, every time I open my phone, there's a text or something from someone saying this rumor or that rumor or or someone on social media saying something. Like, we've had <laughs> we people text us, like, saying goodbye, saying they read a rumor and they thought it was true and, like, we've loved having you and good luck like, in your next step. and So, for, I mean, I can't obviously speak for, for other guys too much. I mean, for me, it's been in my face for the last, I don't know a couple of weeks here, a few weeks, whatever it's been. Um, I don't know how long is left of it until <laughs> until we until everybody has answers, I guess, to a to a certain extent. But um, I, I mean, obviously, that stuff is is out of our control. Or well, what's in our control is playing the best we can. Um, obviously, doing doing what I was talking about on the on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, the, they're the things we can go in and go in now, obviously, and get to work in and, and prepare and, and get ready for the next game and watch film and do all that. I can't control what Danny Ainge is thinking or what Ryan Smith's thinking or what Zanuck's thinking. Um, I I could sit there and think about it 24-7, which at times you do. Like There's no, no question. Um, it pops in your head and, and obviously from my point of view with, with the family and kids in school, there's, there's a lot going on, but um, also at the end of that on the flip side of that like what am I going to do like unless one of those three people come up and tell me something I'm not going to know anything so um, that's where obviously you're you're Asian and those guys have conversations whether they go back and forth or, or it's I don't know I I guess the other part for me is I've never really been or my name probably this this heavily in, in anything like this so yeah you kinda of just sit back and again, like what are you gonna do about it? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy my time, I'm gonna I'm gonna play as, as hard as I can, I'm gonna do my best out there and um, if that in whatever it is now, two or three weeks time is me getting traded then that's what it is. If it's not then I'll continue to 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 play for the Jazz and, and do what I can to, to obviously with the ultimate goal is is to win a championship. So, um uh, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know how other guys are feeling or thinking or whether Danny's sitting there <laughs> it is frustrating for them or not. Um, but again, obviously, it's like I said, that that stuff is out of our control, and what we can control is what we do on the floor. And um, yeah, like I said, we need to be a lot better on the floor.
0: Well, since DJ's first commandment of Joe Ingles basketball interviews has already been broken, I knew I'd have to work harder and do some digging today. My first commandment is, Thou shalt win the night before the game so we can screw around and have more fun. Coming in off a loss is never as much fun. But I think we've addressed the major issues there, and I thought, what is something I could bring up that would be relevant yet unexpected for Joe? Oh,
6: now, here
0: we go. yeah, right, exactly. Here we go. Saddle up, we ride. Of all the names that you would expect me to bring up today, I don't think you'd expect me to bring up Andrew Gaze. Andrew Gaze. Right. Uh, and for people who don't know, he is an Australian basketball legend. Am I right? It would, if I called him he the is. godfather of Australian basketball, would that be too big a reach?
7: Uh, no, not with what he looks like either. He looks like a great, great Great
0: Godfather. <laughs> he looks. He looks like a. He looks like a wizard out of one of those Lord of the Rings movies, right? He's gone gray. He's the old yeah, man, but he's
7: had. He's had gray hair since he was at Seton Hall when yeah, he was right. twenty-one or whatever, twenty-two. Yeah.
0: So, he was one of the first Australians to come over. College ball, I think he was the first, and, and play at a high level. Seton Hall was in Final Fours, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was a great run. So I'm thinking that between the time he played here. And if I had talked to him then and said, there'll be another generation of players, and you're about 20, 25 years, ballpark, younger than him, so you're a full generation younger than him, and said, there'll be a lot of Australians in the league, and they'll be shooting 43 pointers in a game, and there'll be a guy from Australia who year in and year out is, you know, top three, top five, top ten. That probably would have blown his mind. And I'm wondering... How much it blows your mind when you see someone like Garrison Matthews pull up and shoot some of the catch-and-shoot threes he shoots. He's not of the stature of, you know, Steph Curry or Damian Lillard who can shoot whatever they want whenever they feel like it. And they're good enough, and it goes in, and they're the franchise guy. Garrison's more of a, a role guy, but this is his role, and it's valuable And I just think that even if you think that shot is a long way, I'm wondering if the next generation of Australian kids is just going to be launching those. That the 12- and 15-year-olds out there who are watching Joe Engel shoot threes and see Garrison Matthews shoot threes, if this isn't where the game is going. Because doesn't he make it a lot harder to defend the floor? Either you give up a shot to him, or you're so far away, it's really hard to help and play team defense.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean that's what the game is doing, and we can all probably thank Steph for it. Uh, yeah. He's changed the, the game, and it's—I um, mean, I think—and watching the, the big guys battle down there. But I mean to to throw the ball actually in the post now and watch someone go to work is is probably a handful of players in the NBA. Um, I mean, like I said, Steph, what he did, I mean, he's he's obviously changed. Like, we, every, basically every team, I think we were one of the last we when we played Fave and Rudy together. But apart from that, like, not many teams are playing two bigs. Everyone plays basically four guards. Any two, three-man is now a four-man. Um, all the positions have kind of bumped up a little bit. You play two point guards and... Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, it's it's very different. I mean, it, like you said, Matthews comes in last night and the first two in transition, I mean, it's not like he ran to the three-point line and shot him. He caught him, like, a couple steps over the half and zero hesitation. And, and obviously, I think he made the first two right away pretty quickly. And um, obviously, as, a, as the opposing team, you, you don't want that as the whole... Um, the whole point that you're trying to avoid and, and obviously like I said knowing the scout and knowing what like you said like what he's obviously from Houston's point of view got a green light to do that um I think he was one of the guys that was on a either a 10-day or a two-way or, or came into training camp and he or maybe it was when they had the COVID or whatever happened and he signed up signing a three-year deal or something pretty recently so his confidence is Obviously, they all-time high right now as well, and, and he's got that green light. They they, they know subbing in the game, his teammates, his coaching staff, they all know that that's what he's out there to do. He's going to run the floor, and he's going to pull up from wherever he is. <laughs> um, and if he makes shots, he's going to finish the game like he did last night, and if he doesn't, he's probably sitting on the bench and they're the things like I was saying earlier to our first or second question or whatever lately, they're obviously the frustrating parts because we know, I mean, you know, going into a game that he can be pretty impactful, but if we're, we're locked in on it and he doesn't get those first two, or maybe we can test him a bit better or whatever that looks like. He probably, he probably misses them and he probably doesn't see the floor again. And then they're playing someone who's not as dangerous from the three or whatever that looks like in terms of what their rotation is. Um, but like yeah, I mean, going back to kind of the like it's it's a very different game. Um, I almost like you kind of sit there at times and, and wonder if it ever will go back to playing bigs again or two bigs or how much we throw it in the post, whether that becomes more and more or or it stays the same. Like it's it's I, I couldn't really see it going back to to playing two bigs again because even. I mean, you look at some of the fives now and even some of the fives that are out there like Sabonis and, I mean, there's, only, there's a ham, but these guys are shooting mm-hmm. shooting threes as well. So a lot of the times out there, there's five guys that could be um, reasonably dangerous from the three-point line, which is just so different. So, um, yeah, I didn't expect you to bring up Andrew Gaze, but um, <laughs> hopefully the... Hopefully the next generation. I mean, even when he was in the NBA, he went to Seton Hall, went back, and then I think he was at, I'm not sure, if he played, I think he was San Antonio for a little bit. and um, Yeah. Washington. Yeah, he was, Washington, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully the, the next generation of Australian kids. I think, I mean, when I first started watching and, and kind of getting to that age, Andrew Boger was kind of the one that was over here and, obviously being number one pick kind of opened up a few doors and then you get the Delis and Paddy Mills who are undrafted second round picks um, who, who make pretty big impacts and win championships and then you get that next kind of tier of young guys of um, the, the Dantes and Ben Simmons and um, Josh Greens and Matisse Stibles and all this that kind of the younger obviously a fair bit younger than, than me and Paddy and that group and um, exciting to see what they do, so hopefully for for us, we've got some more guys coming through. There's League who's playing really well. We, we've got we've got some really good young guys. So I think um, it's definitely cool for me to 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 know Andrew Gaze and Shane Heal and these guys that, that played before me, and then obviously um, seeing the uh, me being I guess the the older guy now and seeing the next generation and trying to help them in whatever way I can to. Um, Make sure they can can get to the NBA and and continue a, a dream or or chase a dream that they've they've had for a long time.
0: Well, Joe, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming off. Bad times don't last. Bad people. do. No, wait, that's not the cliche, is it?
7: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the cliche is. Tough
0: but... times don't last, but tough people do. That's the cliche.
7: We'll uh yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it is frustrating, and, and we've shown at times that we can be really good and we've shown at times we can be really S-H-I-T-T-Y so <laughs> we, uh, we we need to get back to who, who we are and who we can be and um, again that goes back, I said it in media a lot, like everyone go look in the mirror and, and figure out what you can do to help this team be better and win games and um, uh, I think we can get back there um, hopefully quickly and, and keep pushing forward and, and obviously by the end of the year be in a position that we want to be in and, and be playing well and Um, that's obviously the goal, then to to push into playoffs as far as we can.
0: Joe, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck next week. Warriors, sons and sons. Wow.
7: Good times, right? Right? And then Memphis, Minnesota, I think, after that as well.
0: Look at you. You never know the schedule. Very good, Joe. No.
7: (laughs) I actually looked at it uh, this morning when it's on my fridge, and I was getting something for Jack out of the fridge, and I was like, let me have a look at this. Mm. Um, But again, like, not to drag on, you probably got David Locke to talk to because he's so proud of his thousand show he did last night. But uh, that's tomorrow. Um, shout out to Lock too. I do, I do like Lock. Um, but I mean, it's like it, the schedule is what it is. But it's, I mean, what better time to, to really put our team to the test? And, and, and if we're not going to lock in and, and be good against Houston, and I think we got Detroit on Friday it's like, all right. Well, you better get punch in the face a couple more times, so you got to be ready. And and if we're not ready, it'll it'll quite clearly show against these next few teams. So, um, yeah, we we've got to be ready to go.
0: So here's here's a note you can share with your teammates, and this is a reason to be encouraged going into that stretch. You guys are three and seven since the start of 2022, but you're two and zero oh against the Nuggets, and you're one and seven against everybody else. The Nuggets are good. Nice. You know their guys. You know Jokic is wildly talented. You feel challenged. I think you're more focused. I think you're motivated. You had that awesome playoff series with them in the bu- in the bubble that came down to the final shot of the final game and the final second. And so I think you bring it against those guys. I think that's why you're 2-0 against them because they're clearly, no offense intended, but they are clearly much better than Houston and Detroit.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean right now they all feel pretty good the way <laughs> the way we've played obviously, but yeah. um no i mean i mean we've well i mean in in the past we've we've i wouldn't say had issues but we've we've been a bit more lackadaisical against teams we're supposed to win quote unquote yeah. and um bring it against teams that were better than us three four years ago or or ranked higher than us now or whatever that looks like so um, yeah I mean we like I said I, I said it in the media last night but we we're not going to just walk in and beat any team in this league and um, I think that's quite clearly shown <laughs> recently um, there's there's different like do we shoot better do we defend but like, whatever that looks like but we need to be better all round and every one of us from, from one to 17 or whatever however many players we have these days um, and a couple of 10 days and <laughs> whatever else so um, we need to be better and, and we know that and everyone will be in here today and we'll we'll get better and we'll get ready for tomorrow.
0: Alright, there's Joe Ingalls when we come back what is trending, all the headlines, stay with us
5: Your day is just begun, yeah. but for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports as DJ and PK tell you what's trending on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz.
4: collectively we need to have our attention and our focus on the defensive end when we're thinking about the offensive end reacting to whether we're missing a shot or getting fouled or we're not connected on that end is something that makes it harder for us because when our focus is the other way around and our focus is squarely on the defense you know our offense for one thing we get more stops we can be instinctive in transition it's just a collective mindset that we have to have
0: everybody's got a job to do and if you're not focused on doing your job teams can make you pay for that. That's Quinn Snyder. And if we had movie technology in a newsroom, which we certainly don't, we don't have the budgets, we don't have the time, we don't have the technology, but you would color that until he was blue in the face. If he said it once, he said it a million times. If Quinn Snyder had a buck for every time... Oh, wait a minute. NBA coaches literally do. They make that kind of cash. Never mind. Bad example. That works, that works for grandma. That doesn't work. Doesn't work for an NBA coach. All right, I really don't want to do this segment, but I'm contractually obligated to. So, The Jazz, he says, rewinding previous takes, have plenty of talent to beat this Detroit team. Haven't seen who's out for sure yet. That'll come out later today. But regardless of who they're missing, they would have enough talent to win this game. is what I said the last time they played Detroit and they lost. It's also what I said when they played Houston. It's also what I said when they played Indiana. I mean, this is just a broken record. Wait a minute, there's another expression only grandma gets. How many of you own vinyl? What percentage of our audience? I mean, we got some collectors, and I know there's a little bit of, you know, the audio files. Oh, I have it on vinyl. It's still a low percentage. Have you met Jake Scott? Right. Yeah, good example. He's the collector. I, had a co- I have a college roommate like him. I have a college roommate who's sitting like 3,000 albums. He's got walls of the stuff. It's all in plastic and... I don't know when he goes what happens to it then. <laughs> I suspect the county dump. <laughs> that would be horrific. A lot of you just shuddered. I hope Mark will do something better with it. All right, so they ought to do it. I mean, they're better and blah, blah, blah. But they're 3-7 and seven in the last 10, and two of the wins are over the Nuggets because they get up to play the Nuggets. They play to the level of the competition. That's not a very nice thing to say. But so what? That's what it is. They play to the level of the competition. How else do you explain it? The Nuggets, they had a seven-game playoff series with the Nuggets. The Nuggets have the MVP. He will make you look silly. He will make you look like you've never played basketball before and you don't know what you're doing. He'll posterize you a bunch of different ways. So they get up for them. And then all these other teams, the bottom quarter of the league, they're just racking up losses. If the Jazz could beat the bottom quarter of the league, they'd have the best record in the NBA, which is why we're all so frustrated. And I'm going to stop talking about it now. Fine. Hassan Whiteside is still in COVID protocols, so we know that part. He will not play tonight. Now, will anybody else not play because they're being cautious or whatever? You know, we'll have to see. Uh, Jared Butler is out of COVID protocols, so it's possible that he would be eligible and available to come off the bench tonight. Let's see how that plays out. We'll get the word later today, and whatever show is on the air, we'll let you know. DJ and PK.
5: NBA.
4: Ingram, fall away jumper, 10 feet, left lane line good. That does not compute. He brings
5: it over to the right side, now he's double teamed. Swings to Paul, left wing. CP3 on the dribble, step back
8: three on the way. And good for Chris Paul. Ball is in, knocked away from Jackson, nearly
0: stolen. Jackson got it to Holiday, who hit a three from out on the right edge. They nearly threw away the Inbound. Light night in the NBA, there were three games the Pacers, who beat the Jazz, turned around and beat the Warriors. Got them in overtime, 121 117. Steph Curry, who has been in a shooting slump, at least for him, had three straight games with less than 20 points. Uh, two of the last four games, he'd shot less than 40%. Uh, he got untracked. 39 points and eight assists. Six of 16 from three. Volume. Volume shooting from three from Steph. And it wasn't enough. They get beat. Clay Thompson, they got the minutes restriction on him. He's playing in the low 20s most night. He played 23 minutes. Had 12 points in that one. Draymond Green is still out, so he's still, uh, still shorthanded there. And they get beat. The Pacers get it done. Also, the Phoenix Suns pulling away in the West now. Beat the Dallas Mavericks. 109-101. Devin Booker goes for 28. Chris Paul goes for 20 points and 11 assists. And that was a close game. Dallas, the game was in Dallas, and Dallas had the lead going to the fourth quarter. They were in charge there. They were up by eight, and they ended up losing by eight. They get outscored 35-19 in the fourth quarter. The Suns pick up another win. They improved to 35-9. and nine. They've got the best record in the NBA, and they're starting to disappear over the horizon. Three-and-a-half games in front of the Warriors. Five-and-a-half in front of the Grizzlies. Six-and-a-half in front of the Jazz. So, barring something awful happen in Phoenix, say goodbye to the Suns here. 44 games in, they got a three-and-a-half game lean on the Warriors. That's not impossible. Man, a five-and-a-half to the Grizzlies and six-and-a-half to the Jazz, that's very unlikely that one of those teams would run them down. Pelicans beat the Knicks 102-91. That is the other game. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag college basketball. Juzang to Bernard between the rings, Bruins by a bucket. Juzang slides to the left elbow, a runner with a right hand is good! Bruins up by four. A half-court shot at the horn, no good by Stefanovic, and the Bruins will take it. The two coaches, not a follicle of hair on either man's head, will shake hands at mid-court, And this time, it's the Bruins prevailing 63-58. to 58.
0: The youths had their chances. Key possessions down the stretch in a game that was variously one, two, or three-point deficit. They had a charge. They went one for two at the free-throw line. They had a three to tie and missed it. Got the rebound. Had another three to tie. Missed it, too. Couldn't get the board, and that was it. UCLA holds on. UCLA was not a picture of offensive execution down the stretch, either. That whole thing about running a set play, trying to get an easy shot, get something in close, or at least get a wide-open jumper. There are, some, there are some contested shots for both teams down the stretch. But the ninth-ranked Bruins hold on. They improved to 12-2 on the year. Juzang led them with uh, 28 of the 63 points, nearly half of the team's output. Stefanovic, who missed a, uh, a late shot for the Utes, led Utah with 18 points, and Booth Gotch had 11 coming off the bench. For the utes one and eight in conference now usc coming in saturday afternoon for a game it's a 4 30 game i think on the pac-12 network and the Utes and aggies can call and commiserate because the aggies also had chances down the stretch to win the game now it was different for them well i guess we not playing the ninth ranked team in the country so that's different right there boise state was in town and the broncos who struggled to shoot the three most of the game Hit a couple of big ones down the stretch and get the win, 62 to 59. It was agonizing for the Aggies because that game, it was right there for the taking, and then late it got away from them. They had the uh, they had the lead. They were in good shape and uh, and just couldn't pull it off. Up. Up by three with uh, four minutes, or actually up by three with two minutes to go, and the last couple of minutes, Marcus Shaver Jr. the three with two seconds left is the difference in the game as Boise State gets the win. The good news for the locals was BYU. They beat Pacific 79-71. Tigers are right there. That game was tied at halftime. And about the 15-minute mark, BYU started pulling away and the Tigers made a late run, but uh No, USD. Excuse me. Tigers are coming in this weekend? Are they Saturday? Yeah. Who's Saturday, yak? Portland. Portland, yeah. Pilots. And they beat the Toreros. Pacific is next week. Yes. USD going down to defeat. But the Toreros were right there. But BYU finds a way to win. And that is the way it goes. BYU headed for the NCAA tournament. They find a way to win the close games. And Utah and Utah State are not headed to the tournament and they find a way to lose the close games. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag NFL. I think it's just a credit to all the great teams I've been on. You know, I've just been a part of so many great teams over a long period of time. So I love that I've been able to do it for as long as I've had. I love the game and I love being out there with my teammates. So we just had a lot of success over a lot of years trying to do the right thing. And obviously what we've done here the last, uh, you know, two seasons has been a lot of fun for me to learn and grow with these players and our organization and, put ourselves in a good position. Now we got to go take advantage of it.
0: That's Tom Brady saying all the right things. Keeping it generic. Nothing for the bulletin board there. There's a trained professional. 20 plus years in front of the media. Big game. Well, I guess in a divisional round they're all big games, but the biggest game of the weekend I think it's probably Bills and Chiefs. But I think Brady and the Bucks are playing the second most intriguing game of the weekend. The Rams... And they are they are that guy who bats number five or maybe even number six. He's been dropped down in the lineup. He isn't the hitter he used to be. But every once in a while he connects. And when he's good, he's very good. Maybe he's that long long drive golfer. They look majestic, but you don't know where they're going. But when they hit the fairway, it's spectacular. Grip it and rip it. That's the Rams. They might light you up for 35 points. Eh, they might throw three picks and blow a 17-point lead. Ram fans flinch now because that's how they lost to the Niners in the regular season finale. That was for you, Yak, I just threw you a bone there. Yak and his Niners playing the Packers. You confident, Yock? You feeling it? Not at all. Really? What's wrong with you? Have you watched Aaron Rodgers play this year? That's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> no faith. You've seen him play in the playoffs. You know it can be very different. I know that Jimmy G is 3-1 in playoff games. He's been to a Super Bowl, but I've got no faith. <laughs> Week three, Green Bay one 30-28. This is a rematch. You were right there. Aaron Rodgers. The Niners, also Niners front four. The, perfection. the Niners front four. Getting after him. That's the path. And then Debo. Throw, throw him a slant, throw him a screen, hand him the ball. Was it handed off? Yeah. Yeah. Line him up in the backfield and hand it to him or split him out wide and give him a fly sweep, whatever. Just find a way to get him the ball. Shorten the game, run the ball, turn your defense loose, and win. This is how those mediocre giant teams took down the Patriots. It's been done. This is a well known NFL recipe. Yach's not biting. He won't even make eye contact with me right now. I'm not talking about a DJ. I'll jinx it. I'm not doing it. Mm. <laughs> Chiefs and Bills is also a rematch. Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20. I mean, it's easy to say Chiefs because we always say Chiefs. But who took five possessions to get going last week? I know last week isn't this week. But who was ready at the opening whistle? and went down the field every single time. It's so hard to pick against the Chiefs. Do it! Take the Bills! Live on the edge! Let's do it! Who's with me? Yak won't open his microphone. PK's on vacation. I guess I'm alone then. Fine. That is the game of the weekend. And if it comes down to who has the ball last, I think none of us will be surprised. Bengals and Titans... Well, ask Scott Mitchell. He's going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Can running backs play with a steel plate in their foot and be effective? I don't like the way that sounds. I tore my ACL playing basketball in my late 20s. So they have the surgery. They put the screws in your knees. They take the plug. They take the middle third of the patellar tendon. I know some people have the cadaver, but I had the patellar tendon graft and they screw it in place and the bone plugs you know, take hold and grow together and all that and you have a new knee fine my knee works great so it's, it's awesome and the doc says yeah we put three and also we staple down the ileal band so then like in a follow up visit subsequently he shows me the x-rays and I'm like I've got screws in my knee and he's like yeah I told you we did this screw down the thing I said yeah but I thought that was like a medical term this looks like you went to Home Depot or Ace Hardware these are like, Dad puts this into two into two befores to bind it to another two before. And he just looks at me and smiles and nauseous. Yeah, it's kind of what we do. So when they say he has a steel plate in his foot, visualize a steel plate. It's not a medical term. I don't know how he's going to do that. But we'll all watch together Saturday afternoon, Bengals and Titans. All right, DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag college football. ball's knocked down and into the hands of a Ute at the goal
6: line.
0: That has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Cal football coach Justin Wilcox assigned an extension through 2027. That ought to be the least surprising news. He's an Oregon guy and he decided not to take the Oregon job, so you would assume he had a deal and was getting taken care of at Cal. And not only do I assume he's getting money, I assume he gets things in the program for the program that he wants and needs to be successful. Cal has gotten to the point where they can be a bull team, and you're not shocked, but how do they get out of the middle of the league? How do they, how do they challenge for the North Division title? You look at who's won. Oregon and Stanford have passed it back and forth. A Washington had a couple of trips to the conference title game. Now, how does Cal join that group and break through? How does that happen? So Wilcox has his contract extension, which of course is no guarantee he'll be there till twenty twenty seven. There'll be buyouts both ways in the deal. NCA members voted Thursday to ratify a new streamlined version of the association's constitution. The motion passed, 80% of the members voting in favor, putting the expected stamp of approval on the first of a two-step process to significantly reduce the responsibility of the association's national office and overall rules at all levels of the sports. Each of the three divisions will now start working or on revising or creating their own rules to align with the fundamental principles laid out in the new constitution. What does this mean in plain English? Power 5 is going to do what it wants. Wild, wild west, people. Everything you knew about the NCAA out the window. The NCAA will handle championships. Will it do much more than that? No, I really don't think so. Will it do anything at all more than that? Possibly not. Might be a few basic rules. But the NCAA as we know it, no, not happening. What does the Power 5 want to do? Does the Power Five want to keep the Group of Five or break away? There's been breakaway talk forever. But we've also heard talk from powerful people like the SEC Commissioner that we want to make sure we keep the Group of Five healthy because we don't want to play each other all the time because then one of us will have to go 0-12. Better that we bring you in, make money off you, and guarantee ourselves three wins and essentially some bye weeks. Group of five will be kept around, not out of a sense of fairness or loyalty or what is right and what is wrong, but that helps the big guys make money and look good. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We have Scott Mitchell coming up later this morning. David Locke, radio voice of the jazz, set for 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing.
5: is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
2: Trevor Allen, of course,
8: covers the youths for kslsports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that that really came to mind as someone who could come in and and really pick up with with what Coach Mack did in his time here at at, at Utah, and that's to be able to to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that.
5: Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson day. 10 to New on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's
0: 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk National Football League. Uh, The playoff games are obviously the big story, although there are other stories. But let's start with the playoff games, PK. Bengals-Titans, there was no doubt that this was a the game they're going to put on Saturday afternoon. It's the it's the matchup with the least sizzle in the time slot that most people are most likely to be busy and not watching TV. I knew they would stick it there, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad game or a bad matchup or that it couldn't end up being really intriguing. Does Joe Burrow emerge? Is Derrick Henry back, looking like uh, you know a 1,500-yard back? And uh, And then, as always, how competitive is the game?
4: Well, I don't think that Derrick Henry is going to get 1,500 yards in this game. So Thanks, I'm going to say coach. That. <laughs> Thanks. That was. I like the how you point. say this is where the I knew they were going to stick at. How about this is the proper placement for this game? Can this is it the proper
0: placement. A for little, the little game. more dainty, <laughs>
4: <laughs> And not so harsh. This is where they relegated. They They're stick it in the nose in this title. game on
0: Saturday afternoons. Yeah. I mean so many, it's, much, it's, of, it's, much of the country's got nowhere to go. Right. That's, and and it's really to the point that I am a little surprised that we don't have three Sunday games and one Saturday game.
4: I'm okay with it. I, I still think that's a that's a decent enough time. And it's four thirty back east where yep. you know eighty nine percent of the population lives. There you go. So I mean I'm still pretty good every one of these games at this level in the nba or the nba the nfl has all sorts of intrigue joe burrow is an emerging star is he an emerging superstar possibly is he just going to be you know really good all right anywhere i think he's already pretty good how good can he be tennessee's the number one seed yep they disrespect us. They're they're sticking us on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, come on, man! They went through the whole season. Nobody believes Tannehill. Tannehill. They moved a receiver in in college, right? He, he wasn't even a big time quarterback in college the entire time. And what can he do? I mean, he just hands it off, and they play uh, Rabel. There plays good defense. This is their opportunity to show people that they're legit. And they've been pretty good now for a few years. It's not like they're coming out of nowhere. So, yeah, I've got all sorts of intrigue in this ballgame.
0: The big win they had without Derrick Henry was they beat the Niners. And they finished 4-3. and three. And the loss to Houston definitely raised eyebrows. The loss to Pittsburgh did a little bit. and. Pittsburgh can win low-scoring, defensive games, and they got to the playoffs. So that was a 1913 game, and then New England blew them out. New England just torched them. But four and three down the stretch, it was good enough because they had an eight and two start. They were, they were sensational early in the year when they had Henry. So you buying them as a Super Bowl team if he's healthy, or he can't be healthy, they'll bring him back, but it'll be a shout of himself, and you're not buying it.
4: I wouldn't put them in the Super Bowl. No, if I'm putting money on it right now, which is the ultimate determinant, everything else is a bunch of talk. I'm not putting on money on it, but if I did, I would say no, they will not reach the Super Bowl. I don't even know that they beat the Bengals.
0: I agree. I think the, the Bengals, Bengals are hot. I think the Bengals are the pick. The Saturday night game: 49ers and Packers. The uh, spread in this one is six. That is the biggest spread. And the Niners, in my mind, have one path to victory in this. I think the Packers are clearly the pick. If the Niners win this game, their front four got after Aaron Rodgers from, I almost said Aaron Roderick, got after Aaron Rodgers from the first snap the last snap. So
4: you want to see Aaron on Aaron Crime. <laughs> no, I really don't. You want to see Aaron Donald on?
0: Uh, oh, I see Aaron where you're going. I. Yes, yeah. That that's the Niners' path to victory. Vaughn the Niners Miller in his face. The that nine and seven New York Giant team that won the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots and all that. Well, they had an awesome front four and they were just wildly disruptive. And they were the fearsome j- foursome, weren't they? They essentially they weren't, but essentially <laughs> yes. And they just jacked up New England's game plan because he couldn't block them. And if the Niners are going to win, that has to happen because I don't see the Niners' other path to victory. You know, Debo Samuel is wildly exciting, and I love watching Debo Samuel, and I love saying his name in, hi- in highlights. He's got a fun name, and he's an explosive guy. But I do not expect Debo Samuel to run for 200 yards and four scores so that the Niners can win a 31 28 game. Do uh, well, you have- like Debo or Dabo? No, Debo. Debo's way more fun. Okay. Maybe just because I find Dabo to be cranky. <laughs> just he's the, a coach
4: yeah he's just so cranky it's their job i guess you never you never settle man you never satisfied cranky you gotta be I'm, i think well what you do i can tell who you're gonna pick you just go who's the better quarterback and you go with that guy
0: often not always and i think
4: uh, i think there was twice i think in, we're getting to that. four hundred and fifty-seven thousand games rams and bucks and you're gonna go uh Rams.
0: That's a that's a tough call. Oh,
4: dude, I screwed up? I said Aaron Donald. He doesn't. He plays for the Rams, not San yeah. Francisco. Yes. I, I had my LA or my California team screwed up. Bosa. What's the health of those guys, too? You know.
0: Well, well the back, Niners have back, health back. issues all that's, over the th- place. That's what I'm
4: saying. Yeah. Uh, what's the health? It, it seems of, like they uh,
0: haven't been healthy for three years, but this year they've defense. got they've gotten through it. This year.
4: Well, I, I, would if I had to have injuries, I'd rather have them on offense. If I'm the Niners,
0: as opposed well, to defense. Garoppolo's people. got 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 injuries. So You're
4: right, but I was thinking they've got some potential issues defensively. So we'll see how that plays out uh, for the, the 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 Rams. Really, really intrigue me because I, I can't say a dark horse, but I could see them winning two ball games and getting to the Super Bowl. Two
0: more ball games.
4: Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean they got to win two more, right?
0: Yeah, I've never really thought there was anybody in the NFC who could beat the Bucks and the Packers on back-to-back weekends. Uh,
4: but if anybody could, because they can't themselves, it's the Rams.
0: <laughs> if you would have told me going in, and I, and I agree with you,
4: which team had the best chance to beat those two teams? I would say the Rams.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. There's a lot of talent, a lot of star power. But ultimately Stafford turns the ball over.
4: Yeah, again, you go with a quarterback.
0: Well, turn the ball over, you're gonna lose games.
4: Okay. And every one of his interceptions, there wasn't a missed pattern, a wrong <laughs> pattern, it wasn't a tipped ball, uh, wasn't through your hands. Through your hands. <laughs> all, all interceptions are not on the quarterback.
0: That's true. They are not.
4: I believe Matthew Stafford, although he does not have the pedigree because he was saddled with a pathetic organization, I believe he has enough talent to get to the Super Bowl.
0: You and McVay both believe that. Otherwise, the Rams wouldn't have gone out and gotten him. I mean, they gave up on a quarterback who literally got them to the Super
4: Bowl. They need an upgrade. They needed an upgrade. And I I, I think he's got a ton of talent. And he's able to show it.
0: The Bucs are not full strength themselves. They haven't been, though. No. And they're not going to be. I mean, Godwin is an ACL, and he's a very good receiver for them. Right. And but Antonio I think Brown is gone. Talent. Evans is wildly talented. He is a big play guy. You've got to love that.
4: They've got multiple tight ends.
0: They've still got Gronk. And actually, even without Fournette, they ran the ball pretty well with Bernard. Now it was the Eagles.
4: I don't think that uh, running backs are a dime a dozen, but it seems like they're somewhat interchangeable. Because, I mean, Fernand's a nice player, but he's not an all-time player. Right. And I like both their tight ends. And Brady's Brady. He's got
0: magic, man. I don't know what it is. So you're taking the Bucks. You're talking yourself into it, even though you just talked to Rams to the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Bucks. So now you can go the other way.
4: Yeah, because you're going to take the better quarterback. It's what you do. Usually. I'll, I'll, I'll go Rams uh, in the upset of the year.
0: It's not the upset of the year. Sure, would the, the be. Bucks are a three-point favorite at home? Oh, come uh, on, you get three points for the home field.
4: And, but but and this is the NFL. How many times do you get more than six or seven points?
0: Not very often. I think and there were two games in the first week and none in this week. Yeah. So, and then that's
4: why it's so impossible to bet NFL. But
0: the impossible game to call is Bills and Chiefs. There's yeah, two see, that's where level, you have a dilemma. Two high-level quarterbacks. Because you want to go Mahomes, but you're saying, wait a second. Oh, they're both very high-level quarterbacks. Yeah, but uh, Mahomes you put, is a little you, older. He's had more chances. You put He's whole, Mahomes ahead of
4: Allen. So you're going Chiefs. There's no doubt in my mind.
0: Okay, I'll go Chiefs.
4: Because you put Mahomes. Just, just to make you happy. What did What you were going to do? Josh
0: Allen's going to win a Super Bowl. Don't you well, think that statement is true? Ooh.
4: Dan is going to win a Super
0: Bowl. Yeah. Eh. Well, you don't get them right. I mean, you make predictions. <laughs> right. But you guess which one is – what is more likely? Would you rather sit here and say, Josh Allen's going to win a Super Bowl, or would you rather sit here and say, Josh Allen is not going to win a Super Bowl? I would
4: pick Josh Allen winning a Super Bowl before I'd pick over Dan Marino.
0: Well, now you know how Marino turned out, so that's easy. <laughs>
4: I was wondering if you were going to catch along, or catch on, I guess is more of the phrase. Uh, Can I say, I can can live with that prediction, but, man, I don't know. I mean, because you would have said, Aaron Rodgers,
0: he's going to win more than one Super Bowl. Uh Uh-huh, and I think he's about to. (laughs) But you're right, we've been waiting for it. Yeah, but you would have said it it before now. Oh, absolutely. As soon as he had one, I think most people assumed, well, there'll be another one because he's so young. Right, And it hasn't happened. And along the way, there were years, last year comes to mind, where you thought, this is where he gets the second one. And there's so few people who get the third one. There's so few. That if you get two, what more can be said? Eggman got three, and Brady has gone off, is the all-time all-timer and gotten seven. But who gets three? I mean, you know, Montana and Bradshaw did. I mean, it's mean, it's a small handful of guys. It's less than one quarterback for decade per decade pulls that off. If you have two quarterbacks straight to the Hall of Fame, or if you have two Super Bowls straight to the Hall of Fame, first ballot, Eli Manning, is he the worst of the two-time Super Bowl champion quarterbacks? Hall of Famer.
4: Well, I mean, you'd have to go way back. And the statistics were so askew back then, though. To, to see, you know, if you're going into modern age, basically. Well, the lifetime. Super Bowl
0: keeps it modern, modern-ish. Yeah, I get I know, the but game but has evolved inside that time as well. Like, Greasy's throwing 10 passes a game. Yeah, but he and Bart Starr are Hall of Famers. And then you're up to Bradshaw.
4: Well, but still, you ask the worst. Yeah, statistically, Manning would supersede those guys.
0: Yeah, but he was taking a 9-7 team to the Super Bowl. And Greasy, 17-0, and undefeated. Okay. And three Super Bowls in a row. He was a hell of a handoffer. He
4: was. <laughs> it's it's apples and kumquats. It really so I, is. So I, I can't say that uh, younger Manning is this or that. Although, to, to 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 think about it, I'm not sure I heard you correctly. In fact... Now what? <laughs> I didn't good. hear shiz. <laughs>
0: So the Bengals are the road team, and then, I, and then I take three home teams. That's probably a mistake. They'll probably be a road win Sunday.
4: I would like to see Buffalo get in there, some new meat. Andy Reid's got his Super Bowl. He does. He's established.
0: Chiefs are trying to get to the AFC title game for the fourth straight year and the it's Super just, Bowl for the third it, straight. It's gravy for him at this point. Whoever wins the Bills-Chiefs game wins the, uh, wins the next week, right? Uh,
4: let me see what Cincinnati does. Or well, let me see how Derrick Henry looks too, for that matter. To go back yeah, to your if, original. Point. If Henry
0: goes out and runs for 125 yards on 18 carries or something like that, we're all gonna be going to go, "Uh oh," underestimate at your own risk.
4: I, I mean, if he's healthy, he's fresh. He didn't take very many hits this year. hasn't taken hits in a good long while. Uh, so I get where you're going, and I can agree with that. But I reserve judgment to see where we are on Monday. Sunday night, I guess, and, and discuss it uh, you know, next week. Either way, I'm excited for the following week. You know, some some people say that's the best week of football, you know, next week, a week you got from the doubleheader uh, two games. Yeah. And the winners go to the Super Bowl and then you got the two week lull where you gotta shuck and jive until you get there. Uh, I don't have a problem with the NFL doing it, but it does seem like a long time. Uh, me being as a soccer guy, I'm used to them taking off six weeks. Nice. And then re- reconvening for the CONCACAF finals. You know, So I'm, I'm, I'm into that now. Uh,
0: Is this going to be a better week competitively than the first week, though? Because we had two good games buy and that. four brutal games. I would buy that, yes. yes. Yeah, I would I, think so. And I think in the case of the AFC, we have three young quarterbacks. The NFC, not so much. The Niners look like they're on the verge of giving up on Garoppolo because they traded up to get a guy. So we assume Garoppolo's out of there. And then the Packers and Bucks have Hall of Famers at the end of their career. Stafford. A, I think Brady's just getting started. Brady's just getting started. 66-year-old Tom Brady <laughs> won his 19th Super Bowl today. Uh, but the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals all have young quarterbacks who all look like, I want to watch this guy play football for the next 10 years. I'm, I'm ready to watch all three of these guys. And they're not alone. Now, it's to a different Level and some of the guys are even younger. You know, Herbert's younger. Uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa is younger. They're, in, they're between intriguing and exciting, but they haven't been to playoffs yet. But I think they already have our attention. Uh, not so
4: much Tua. Tua uh, more,
0: more for what he did in college.
4: Uh, Herbert, yes. But I don't see, I don't know that anything's guaranteed as far as competitiveness. You, you would have thought that Russell Wilson would have been, uh, I picked him last year to be MVP. And now, a year later, they didn't even make the playoffs in their offense. Didn't they get shut out in a game this year against Green Bay? It's like, wow. And he he had come back for that game because he was out a little bit. So, you know, I'm I'm not sure. On paper, as we go forward, looking right now, sure, I can buy everything you said. But things change. And football, to me, is the ultimate team game. And you don't have the big dogs up front, no no matter how good you are. So what What happens there? You know, offensive lines, they've got to be good. I mean, we can look at it and say why well, the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl. That's that that about what goal. I was going
0: to go to. Just go to the Super Bowl, and the Bucks' yeah. defensive line dominated Kansas City's offensive line, and the Bucks won the game. Yeah. There you go. Mahomes was— Was,
4: was he was any running. worse, any less than he was the year before, his talent no. level? I don't he, think
0: so. He was just, just running, trying not to get sacked on every play. Yeah. and they, where they was he? What no was he rhythm. running for? I tried to avoid using that cliche, and I did, and then you tried you to did. rope me I back know into I know you it. did. You like the fact I didn't default to it, though. I gave it a little extra effort. Yes.
4: I'd prefer it to be running to the bank, or no, laughing all the way to the bank. That's a great expression, because that means you're rich, and you're having a good time. Old running school. for your life? No, that doesn't sound too good. Laughing all the way to the bank? I like it.
0: Laughing all the way to the deposit on your laptop computer or your phone.
4: Lot, yeah. Who goes to the bank now anymore yeah, anyway? Everything very, is direct deposit. Very,
0: very rarely. Every <laughs> once in a while, just to see if it's still there. And if you I've go, there's the, one teller waiting for you. I've got the uh,
4: the card, you know, if you need cash. Mm-hmm. But I've long since forgotten what my PIN number is.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I still know that. Oh, I got it written down. But I, I used to get out cash maybe once a week, and now it seems like I don't even get it out once a month. I, just, I don't use that much cash.
4: Right, that's what I'm talking about. I just, uh, My wife will go and she'll give me like four twenties a month. And then by the end of the month, she's taken three of them.
0: Out. <laughs> I need that 20 <laughs> bag. I just
4: put them in my wallet. I wasn't and then she it. has yeah. reason for needing the money. So she knows she knows the bank in our house is my wallet. And it's virtually <laughs> has a locked vault because I hardly ever go into it. I mean, <laughs> I don't, what, what do I buy? Nothing. I can't. I don't. And if I buy it, gas, I buy gas. I, I
0: know. I, I was gonna say I, I buy gas and I do it on credit. Everybody if I, does. If it I on buy credit. sandwich, you know, for lunch or you know, grab dinner downtown occasionally. Well, at work I do. Well, sometimes.
4: you work different hours right. than I do. But so if I'm I do home at that it's, time,
0: it's on the card. I couldn't even tell you the last year that I paid cash for food.
4: That's yeah, it. I'm That's just hoping automatic. you tip well because I had heard you're pretty
0: tight. i uh, listen to you. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Questions up on Twitter right now. David DJ James, who will play in the NFC title game? Call your shot. Who will play in the AFC title game? Bills at Titans, the early leader in the AFC. Rams at Packers, the early leader in the NFC. David DJ James on Twitter. Cast your votes. DJ and PK brought to you in part by... Zero Res, the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res is patented process. Uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet. that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. 801-288-9376. Or book online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. Or if you're up north, ZeroResDavisWeber.com.
6: This is UNRIPE guys are doing a hell of a job.
0: If you got to trade an
9: offensive player, trade Boyan for Ben Simmons. What are you going to get from Ben Simmons? 13 and a half points. We don't want whatever. You want defense.
8: Stop trying to
5: convince me of something. One won't happen and two I don't want to happen. Stop trying to convince me. I'm not going to do it. It's unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery weekdays from 3-7 to 7 on 97.5-1280 The Zone powered by KSL Sports.com DJ
0: BK it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone <clears throat> purchase Ford Fans Zone all you need tickets to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket visit UtahJazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all you need tickets now I am ready for one of the great rationalizations of all time. I think we can all agree everyone would feel better if the Jazz had won some of these games recently. It's obvious that 7 and 3 is better than 3 and 7 and we'd feel better. But I don't know that it ultimately matters. Maybe. Maybe it gives us a peek into what they can do in the playoffs. But in these last 10 games, Rudy Gobert's missed five and Donovan Mitchell has missed one. Let's see a show of hands. Who thinks they're winning in the playoffs without Donovan Mitchell and or Rudy Gobert? If either one of those goes down going into the playoffs, the fan base, the local media, we're going to throw up our hands like, ah, they got no shot. National media, too. And the locker room, maybe they'll still believe. The only people who believe are in this locker room, and we'll get that speech. But if you're being honest with yourself, you think either one of them go down, then it's over. So should we even worry about these last 10 games? They don't have the guys. They're not going to play championship-level ball. Now, the people who are remaining could play better, and then we'd feel better about the team, but that's not the group that's going to be playing in the playoffs. They had three guys in a rotation, who aren't going to play in the playoffs unless something goes horribly wrong. So are we getting wound up over nothing? Now the guys who are remaining could play better, could play harder, never turn it off, compete for all 82 games, all that kind of stuff. And I get that, and that's where I've been holding the bar, and you've been hearing that every morning after games. They they should have won. They were up by 13 Wednesday night in the third quarter. They should have won. They should have played better. But that group isn't winning the championship anyway. And maybe Donovan Mitchell would have looked better down the stretch against the Lakers if he didn't have a concussion. Scoreless in the fourth quarter. Pretty rare for Donovan. I can't tell you it's never happened, but if it has happened, it's happened so infrequently I can't tell you the last time it did. So, stand down, let them get the team back together. And, you know, you can argue other teams are playing without guys and other teams, other teams going to win the championship without guys. And the Bucks weren't the ones he last year. They fought back. But does anyone think they're going to repeat without their guys? There is a chance, this is the best case scenario, that we look back at these last ten games and say, hey, it created some urgency, so when they got their guys together, they felt like they had to bring it. And they had to play at a high level. And then you got the other possibility out here, which is, healthy or not, they're not good enough to win the title. And that's where the fan base is. Win the championship. After they got the number 1 record in the NBA last year, there's nothing you can do in a regular season. And honestly, that could be part of the problem of this team this year, too. Even when they were healthy and dropped some games back in November and December. It matters. But does every regular season game really matter? They've already had the best record, and it didn't get them to the title. And that's why they're wearing out the phrase... Be playing your best basketball after 70 games. Which is just another way of Jeff Hornacek 20 years ago saying, let's make sure we're playing our best basketball in the last 10 games. They're saying the same thing. You go through the whole season to get to that point where you're playing well. Now, if you're playing really well at that point, the only way to get there is you've won a bunch of games along the way. So as much as we all want to go nuts over everything that's happened in 2022, And everything started falling apart on New Year's night. They lost to the Warriors and didn't look good doing it, and they did have their team that night. If they don't have their team, are they beating the Warriors and Suns? They got the Warriors Sunday and the Suns Monday and Wednesday. And we've already got the word. Hassan Whiteside still in COVID protocols. Jared Butler out. We'll see about Donovan and his concussion. But as much as we're going nuts over every game, there's still a lot of scenarios going forward. And one is, they're one of the top five teams in the league, but they're not the best team. And because the way the West is stacked, you could be in trouble in the second round. You could be in trouble in the first round. In the second round, you will definitely have your hands full. And you could in the first round as well. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz. We'll talk to him about all of this coming up at 8.30. P.K. is going to join us next. Stay with us. DJ and P.K. in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to spend a few moments remembering me, love. P.K., he was 74. 74, yeah, wow. That's young, I guess,
4: if you're uh, wanting to live and you don't get a chance at 74. I guess it puts perspective there. For some, it's a lot. You'll die earlier. But, yeah,
0: Meatloaf, he made his mark. Absolutely. All right, here we go, PK. Are you ready for this again? Yeah, absolutely. The the Jazz against a team they should beat. Yeah, I look forward to another defeat. (laughs) Just recalibrate (laughs) the expectations.
4: (laughs) And watching the Suns, you know, they're without eight and they're going to Dallas. Dallas is hot, and the Suns do what they do. They win again. What are they really like 35 and nine? Wow, man. I just didn't see they would be this good. This is incredible to where they were just two years, this time two years ago, to where they are today. I'm not sure we've ever seen this in the NBA. We probably have. I can't remember it. Uh, so that best record in the league seems like that is a gonzo. The Jazz and you just need to get back out of the winning stretch and play good ball. And and forget about this idea of game 70. You know, I'm done with that right now. When you've lost this many in such a short span of time, the idea of playing your best ball in game 70 seems so far away that it doesn't even seem possible. I want to see you start winning games now. I don't need you to play your ultimate, ultimate best, but you need to start
0: winning games against the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> you spit that out. The Detroit Pistons, 11-33, and 33, winning a quarter of their games. They're on pace to be a 20-win team. Let that yeah. sink in. They can't lose twice to a 20 win team. Well, okay, they could. They shouldn't lose twice to a 20 win team. No, you shouldn't. You know, and look at the West,
4: man. You you've got the Warriors still doing their thing and they're sort of banged up a little bit with Draymond Green out. The Suns we just spoke about with Ayton and Memphis is rolling Uh, Jokic is looking like a Latter-day Wilt Chamberlain. I saw
0: that. I saw that stat. The Elias Sports Bureau, no baseball, so they're digging up basketball stuff. And I didn't see the stat. What is the stat? Three straight games with a triple-double and 55% shooting. Wilt is the only other player who's done that, and he had a six-game run like that in 1968. ESPN stats and info. Tweeting that out. Oh, honestly, I didn't see that stat. I just the, his. Numbers, I thought you did. I thought I you were just looking know. at your phone. It, it came out uh, no, eight minutes ago. No, I did not.
4: I did not see that stat. But I mean, I just look. I look at box scores obviously and see right. highlights.
0: Yeah, and, and he's so just he, gone off. He is just. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's the MVP, and he's like, yeah, that's not good enough. I I have to be better than that, and he is. It's awesome. It's impressive,
4: yeah. and I'm a basketball fan first. Uh, and uh, that stuff really – I enjoy that. I want to see the best of the best play at their best, and that's what you're seeing with Jokic. You have to just give it to them, right? So you look at Denver, if they get some of their guys back, they're going to be dangerous, man, and you want the Jazz to be in the mix. We all do. You got to get going now, and I I don't want after the game, well, you know, we left too many guys open for three. No, I don't want to hear that anymore. I want to hear, wow, well, we really guarded the three well. We took the most efficient shots. We looked very good at blah, 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 blah. I'm tired of the losing, and I'm sure they are too.
0: It's 3-7 and seven now in their last 10 games, and two of the three wins are over Denver. They had an epic seven-game playoff series in the bubble. It was a bizarro environment, but it was... Really competitive basketball. And they know how good the Joker is, and they respect him because everybody respects the, what he's doing over these last couple of years. So they get up for those games. And I'm having a hard time thinking it's anything other than that. Well, it's also something else. I
4: think you're you're overlooking the fact that there are a rumble in the Rockies. It's like the Utes and the Buffaloes. Anytime teams from these two areas get together – it is no holds barred. It is Katie bar the door. It is good night, Irene. It is see you later, Sally.
0: Honestly, I thought you were building up to something about RSL and the Rapids and the Rocky Mountain Cup, and you were going to take a shot at that. I'm a little disappointed you didn't. Well, Because that is on another level. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. That's nice. Well played. You can escape from anything. You made a great wrestler. You know, you're almost pinned and then boom, there's an escape. One point for the escape. How did he do it? That would be such
4: an embarrassment to put the Jazz and the Nuggets, the Buffs and the Utes, to put it on that level. (laughs) Come come on, man. I mean, Pablo Mastrione right now is just nodding his head saying, you go,
0: Thunderbird boy. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Taco Bell or Jack in the Box? I always get confused. Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box. box. Okay, Jack in the Box. (laughs) I gotta meet at Taco Bell. Okay. We have Taco Bell here in Utah. We do not have Jack in the Box here in
4: Utah. Well, we have it in Utah, we have it well, in St. George. okay. you have to get down to the, the Southern I grew part up
0: with of both of them down there in San Diego. It's just all a blur after Nobody a while. met at Taco Bell. Okay. All right. Jack in the box for you and you and Pablo, although you know you're older than him, so you wouldn't have been hanging out with him. Hey, second grader, come here. We're going down. That's just weird.
4: I found it awesome that he, who went to the same high school as me, also years later they still hung out at that place. I mean, tradition. You keep the tradition going. That's what makes it beautiful. The names come and go, but the traditions remain. It's like do, the
0: Masters. Do you have round table pizza? Did you have round table pizza? Because that's where we hung yeah. out at my school. Yes. Round table pizza. That was the place to go.
4: Yes. We didn't have it out there right within a mile or so. I mean, it's Jack in the Box. You could walk to it from from our school.
0: Yeah. Yeah, school was built out on the edge of the stick so you couldn't really walk walk to anything at that point. It's grown up around it now. All right, so we got the uh we got the Jazz, uh the college basketball. How about uh how about BYU grinding it out at home? USD was there at halftime PK, 15 minutes to go in the game. It was still even, and then BYU finds a way to get it done and Trai just He's he's been. I know they lost a lot of their size, and I'm sure everybody wishes he was four inches taller, so he's more intimidating. But he doesn't doesn't give anything up. He'll still contest shots, he'll still block shots, and he just rebounds and scores. Another double double. Without him, I don't think they're in the position they're in. But he's 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 pretty steady here. He's he's providing he's providing uh, uh, good support. I mean, Barcelo can't do it by himself, and Troy's been there now multiple games. Doesn't it remind you of a shorter Zion in college? A little bit, yeah. I can see where you're going. And and in BYU history, I I keep going back, undersized big men at BYU, which I guess is an oxymoron, but an undersized interior player. How about that? Was there anybody more surprising but more consistent than Keenan Young?
4: Yeah, I didn't really view him as a big man.
0: I viewed him as a
4: slasher. I don't, I don't. I don't think he was an interior player either. I viewed him as more of a slasher. Uh, I think uh, Triore is in, in, in a whole other category. I, I wouldn't put Keene all by Young himself. In that
0: Who else have I got then? Uh, Ken Roberts. That's going way back. I have not seen Ken Roberts, and I don't know how. Oh, really? <laughs> i bumped into yeah, every once in a while. In the, the ex-players who stay in town, you just bump into him. And now it's been a long time. But he was working for the Forest Service, I think. You know who
4: loved Ken Roberts? Who? Rick Majerus. Oh, really? I didn't know Absol- that. You absolutely loved him because he said he was so fundamentally sound. He mm-hmm. set the picks the way you're supposed so to. So he, he was, uh, he was BYU,
6: supposed to.
0: BYU's Alex Jensen? Is
4: that where you're going? Probably. Yeah. Uh, I think Alex was a, a tad bit more talented, but right. but, but Jairus and he recruited him cause he's a local kid. I mean, of course he stayed in town. He, he grew up in, in here. And I, I forget where to go to Bingham or something. I'm not, I don't remember, but I know Majerus always used to talk about him because obviously he loved the fundamentals of the game. I mean, he was a basketball purist through and through clearly. And so he used to just praise Ken Roberts up and down. I'm sure if he was on his own team, he probably would rip him. That's the way he did it. Um, <laughs> but he praised him th- every time they played him, and obviously they played him twice a year in those days, and just loved his game, loved the fundamental aspect of the way he played the game, so mechanically sound. Uh, to Triori, yeah, he's he's for for, for freshman uh, under size, you know. And it's and it's in a sense it's good that he's in this league because this league doesn't have a lot of size. Uh, going forward here in a couple of years, uh, if they should wait for two another season. I heard Rumblings, maybe they could do it next year. That'd be awesome if they got in the Big 12 next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be more difficult. And they'll have more size then. So he won't be called upon to to be the, the tough guy that he is now, the enforcer. He can maybe blossom uh, a, a, as far as having some help. But, yeah, I mean, so they they struggled to win. But so so did UC Los Angeles. I think yeah. Nick Cronin is walking up, waking up this morning, oh my gosh, we
0: barely beat a team that hasn't won any games. That was no. yep, the story yeah. of all the in-state games. They're yeah. all close and competitive, but the teams that are good, that have NCAA tournament resumes, they figure out a way in the last five minutes, two minutes, one minute, whatever it is, to make sure they win. And so if they've got a bunch of five and eight point wins, whatever, it's a win.
4: Yeah, particularly on the road. Now, obviously, be where he was at home. Yeah. It's a different story. And the Bruins were on the road in the Huntsman Center. But I mean, going back to Majerus, I covered those great teams, and they'd go over to the Air Force Academy yeah. and have to grind out some wins. And so you, you, you just took them, uh, particularly on the road, as they say, it, it doesn't matter. So I was impressed. BYU found a way to win. And the Utes did exactly what I said they should do. What we were talking about yesterday is that I don't really care how many games they win. I know they do. And winning is like a million times better than losing. I get that. I fully understand that. But for them, I want to see them be competitive this year, particularly without Carlson. You know, he's a difference maker, right? He's not playing right now. And so they're shorthanded, literally and figuratively. So with that in mind, give me a competitive effort. That's what I'm looking for. I think that's what Craig Smith can sell to recruits as he tries to build this thing is that hey we're playing hard and, and Mark Harlan looks at the, at the product and sees hey they're battling man they took a top ranked team I think the uh, what the Bruins ranked ninth Nine. and he, yeah he took those guys and they went right down to the wire basically sure they lost and it stinks to lose and they got a bunch of losses in a row I get all that but. They found a way to be competitive. That's what I was looking for. So I've seen progress out of them here recently, even though it doesn't reflect in the win column. And ultimately, that's what you're judged by. But I think this season, you got you got to look deeper. You know, we're in year three or four. That's an entirely different story, but we're not. And a bunch of guys left, and it's a bunch of new guys that he brought in and all that stuff. And your best player, I, I would think they would agree that Carlson's their best player. He's out. And so you factor all those things in. And for the Cougars, just keep checking them off against these low-level West Coast Conference team and do, do what you need to do, right? So that's a couple of close wins that they've had, San Francisco and San Diego. But so what?
0: I thought in the case of the Utes, to your point about Craig Smith and what he's got to sell, they lose that game, and he's walking on the court clapping, trying to pump his guys up. And they are absolutely in the moment. They look at the scoreboard and the shoulders slump and the heads go down, and he's trying to fire them up. But they defended. They rebounded. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't make enough shots. And they had three possessions at the end and a charge – Probably just adrenaline in the moment. I mean, he was already giving the ball up to the wing. He could have done it a step or two earlier and pulled up and there had been no charge. You miss one of the two free throws, and you miss a couple of three-pointers that could have tied the game. And in those last three possessions, I think those are the last three, maybe it's three of the last four, everything is right there for the taking, and you just can't execute and make shots. That's the part of the game that you know everybody always wants to do. They're doing all the dirty work and the hard stuff. They're just not quite talented enough. And it's also tricky to do it in every night, and UCLA is taking everybody's best shot. And they got the youth's best shot and still got out with a win. So if you're UCLA or BYU, you just check the box, you got to win, and you move on to the next one.
4: Well, those two teams, they looked at each other 45 miles apart and said to each other, Yeah, we'll see each other in the Final Four.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would give us something to talk about. UCLA BYU Final Four game. I thought it was cool last year just to have Western teams. It was like, Gonzaga, UCLA, great. Because so often the Final Four is a bunch of teams that we never see, we never hear about, and people have no emotional buy into whatsoever. None.
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, to to a limited extent, we yeah. would if it's somebody in the Pac-12, right? Uh, and then I think people in Provo, they wouldn't have any because it, it, it's on Big Twelve, Pac-12. So
0: excited for when we get to that point. Yep. Well, and Baylor was in the winning it all in the Final Four last year, so had the Western flavor. Uh, you saw Justin Wilcox got a contract extension, right? Makes sense because that's why he walked away from the Oregon offer because that was the leverage to get whatever he needed at Cal, contract for him, money for assistance, stuff for the program, whatever he wanted?
4: Yeah, I don't know if it's 100%. I know it's been reported that he literally had an offer. He's an Oregon guy and played there and all that stuff. So I was surprised if that's the case, but that's what came out. But, yeah, that's that's what he was doing. And I I think, yeah, speaking of unfair judgments, as we had – with craig smith if you're going to judge him by his record this year it seems a little unfair because of the circumstances well if you're going to judge justin wilcox by his record the last two years (laughs) yeah with COVID and the community there there i can argue strongly argue that there was not a program in america in terms of college football who was affected adversely more the last two years than the cal bears
0: That would be a pretty solid argument to make. The impact on them was massive. Yes.
4: And the frustration was just through the roof.
0: So now the question is, how does he get from uh, having a 500-ish team, maybe bowl eligible, but uh, get to the upper echelon? Because that division's been dominated by Oregon, Stanford, and, and Washington won it a couple times, three times, I guess. So how do they how do they break through because washington state oregon state and cal haven't gotten there washington State's at least had some good teams and been relatively close so yeah well uh, as fresh as uh, last night
4: when i was talking to somebody a college coach out on the recruiting trail and i was uh, telling him what i have planned to do this weekend and his response to me was yeah great Meanwhile, I'm traveling around the country chasing 16 and 17 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're the one who wanted this job. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't say all that, but I just (laughs) thought uh, I laughed. I mean, yeah, I thought, yeah. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, right? That's the way to do it is find better players. Get player now. It's a little bit different now because of the portal. You can move up the age a little bit, but still, you know. And I guess there's a you know there's a fair amount of difference between a sixteen seventeen year old and a twenty and a twenty one year old. Those are uh, every couple of years of that age bracket. That's you're it. assuming you gaining far more maturity.
0: We'll we'll have to ask coaches about this, but it seems like the portal is a. Shorter process, more analytical, less song and dance and nonsense. Building relationships with sixteen year olds. <laughs> Come on. But that but that's the I that's know. the essence. I know. You have to do that. I know, but doesn't the portal seem more business like, more hey, here's the depth chart, here's where we think we fit you fit in, it's how you run the offense, as opposed to flying all over the country and visiting everybody?
4: I think you got to do both though. You You In in terms of building your program, it's like what uh, Kleovkov was talking about when we had him on a week ago today that you've got to do everything possible and so if you need to have shiny, clean locker rooms, have shiny, clean locker rooms. If you need to have whatever it might be, that's what you need. Everything goes into this big pot in terms of making a successful football program. So that's what Cal has to do. And you speak of the uh, transfer portal keep an eye on USC because they are gaining talent now we haven't had the big one yet the big fish is still out there with the quarterback as far as I know he hasn't committed uh, Williams but they have been really knocking on the door and I think they've been hitting some home runs there and then there's Jackson Dart what's he gonna do Yock? <laughs> what's he gonna do Yock? what's Jackson Dart gonna do what's he gonna do
8: I have not heard but expected to hear something this weekend hopefully
4: This weekend, okay, I'll have an answer for you by Tuesday at the latest.
0: Do you believe the reports out of Mississippi that BYU is just for show and it's going to come down to Oklahoma and Ole Miss? That's convenient. They'd say that.
4: I know, right? No, I don't, because then I also saw that Kiffin was bringing in
0: JT Daniels. I was going to say, yeah, JT Daniels is visiting visiting Ole Miss. So, and do you trust Kiffin to stay at Ole Miss if you go there? And do you want to be at Ole Miss if he's not
4: yeah, there? Yeah, but you can make that argument just about by everybody. I mean, that's where Whittingham can really knock it out of the park. He's not going anywhere, but now how long is he going to be there? Alabama, Nick Saban, Nick Saban's 70. So that stuff can be, you can fly around all over the place.
0: DJ and PK, we have a family four-pack of tickets to see the Utah Stars home game against the Oklahoma City Blue. That is next Friday, a week from today. If you want to win those tickets, pick up the phone right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855 340 Three four zero zone, and still to come today, we got tickets to give away to see the Jazz and their home game against the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. David Locke is going to join us next. PK, thanks for checking in. I right, see you guys.
5: This is Jake Scott and Ben
8: Anderson. Trevor Allen, of course, covers the Utes for KSLsports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that.
5: Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson everyday. 10 to new on 97.5 the zone powered by ksl sports.com dj and pk it's 97.5 and
0: 1280 the zone we are brought to you in part by homie finally the way real estate should be full service local agents and you will save thousands homie a better way to buy or sell got a couple things breaking this morning june jones Doing some interviews, throwing his hat in the ring for the vacant job at Hawaii. So, you Utah State fans, keep your eye on that. June Jones is 68 years old, and he left Hawaii after taking him to the Sugar Bowl at an undefeated regular season. They were the rare group of five team that just got annihilated in their BCS bowl game. Georgia really crushed him. But it was a great season for Hawaii. He had a great run there and really embraced it. He's been off to SMU and the XFL and somewhere else you can't remember. But uh, he is interested in going back to Hawaii, so he's throwing his name in the hat there. Penny Hardaway, former uh, Shaq teammate, looked like he was going to have a great NBA career, but it got curtailed by injuries. And he's coaching at Memphis, and he's just about had it. If you haven't seen the rant, I can't quote the many words he used. But he was in Jerry Sloan mode there in front of the uh, microphones telling the media about what bleeping stories they can write and what bleeping stuff they shouldn't write and the bleeping injuries. And now people are going back at him with, oh, look at all the injuries Houston has. They've lost more starter games than you guys have, and they're 16-2. and So, Penny's, Penny's in a little bit of hot water. It's time now to talk Utah Jazz. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Joins us right now, David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning.
6: Hello, David. James, what's the best thing happening in your life right now?
0: Talking to you. Well, that's a good answer, but you're full of crap. <laughs> oh, man. So, David, the Jazz are 3-7 and seven in the last 10. And I got this theory. Because they're 2-0 and against the Nuggets and 1-7 and against everybody else. And even when I said that, even Joe Ingles went, because <laughs> you know what that means. They got focused for the Nuggets because they had a great playoff series with the Nuggets and the Joker won the MVP and everybody knows he's really good and they step up their game. And if they played at the level that beat Denver twice, they probably would have won a bunch of those other games. So how much of this is playing at the level of the competition, regardless of how <laughs> shorthanded they are or aren't? And obviously, they've been very shorthanded in, in this stretch of games.
6: Yeah, I'm not going there.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm a little surprised. Why not?
6: Um, they played three- four games without Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is like the most impactful player in the sure. NBA. Yep. But they could have beat
0: Detroit without him. I don't He's think be, they should be going undefeated without Rudy. I get it; it's a big loss, and you can't replace him. So I mean,
6: like, I, how worried are you about the Warriors?
0: A little bit. Well, I guess if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you're not worried. You're looking over at them, going, "Well, they don't seem exactly right, do they?" So I'm not too worried about the. I mean, the only thing I'm you're worried right, about the you're Warriors. Writing this off to dog days.
6: I mean, dog days, injuries, shorthanded. So the only thing I'm worried about the Warriors is that Draymond Green's calf injury is caused by a back problem. Like, to me, that's concerning. Their play on the court? Eh. Like, they have one of the most impactful players in the NBA. Really, ironically, or maybe not ironically, but, you know, in many ways, very, very similar to Rudy Gobert. And they don't have him. They're not as good. And so they lose, like, how did they lose the Pacers last night? That's uh,
0: insane. How did the Jazz lose to the Pacers? Are the Pacers suddenly good?
6: No, because the Pacers didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, Karis, LeVert, D'Amato, Sabonis, and Miles Turner last night. So that team is not good.
0: So the team hasn't been healthy in the last 10 games, and the Jazz aren't winning the championship if they aren't healthy. So, of course, they don't look good, and Jazz fans feel lousy right now.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. I hate I know it's so boring, and there's stuff that's not right. Like, so we've lost more double-digit second-half leads than any team in the NBA this year. Well,
0: that's not good. that's not great. (laughs) That is not good. I did not know that stat. (laughs) you want to get on focus, now
6: we can talk. There it is. I'll go there as focus. So we've lost seven games this year in which we have led by double digits in the second half. We hadn't lost seven games we led by double digits in the second half over the last two years. We were 80-7 and in that circumstance over the last two years. Now, all of a sudden, we're like 22-7. and seven. So, to me, that, now we're talking. The fact that we, and, and I think there's, I did this on my podcast today, and I don't know if you want to get into it. I actually think last year has become a really detrimentally false reference point to who we are as a team and a franchise. Because? I think it's actually a little problematic for us. Um, I can get into that if you want to, but...
0: Well, is that as simple? Um, anyway, The we short, lost. short version of that is because they had the one seed, they basically caught the rabbit, and now they're viewed as they underachieved in the playoffs and it's in everybody's head? No, is that what you're getting
6: at? No, short version that in a COVID year with no practice, no shoot-arounds we were just way better prepared than everyone else. Mm, our okay. coaching staff figured out a way to do it. Our players didn't get injuries and have COVID source continuity. We are, our, our players, our players kind of understood what we were doing on a regular basis. And so therefore,
0: yeah, I see where you're going.
6: Right. We just want, most yeah. teams didn't shoot around last year and didn't prepare. And so we got everyone
0: had a roster with continuity, didn't need those shoot arounds and practices as much as other teams did that had less continuity, didn't have a long playoff run, so when the short turnaround happened, weren't impacted the same way the teams were that went to a conference final and an NBA final. I see where you're going.
6: And so I think that matters a lot. To last year that we're 52 and 20 is just maybe a false reference point for us. Um, And so we're one of the best teams in the West, which is what we were two years ago. We're probably, I don't know, like it's easy to say we're a piece short of a championship. And I get it. But like Milwaukee at this point last year was a piece short of a championship. And then they got a, my team, it was all beat up in the playoffs. They gained some confidence. And then Kevin Durant's foot was just a little long. And then they got very fortunate and got, (laughs)
1: <laughs> an Atlanta
6: team that wasn't ready to be where they were. So if we were to go get a playoff series tomorrow, where we let's say started with the Clippers and Paul George was beat up, and we got through that series, and then in the second round we beat the Knicks on a last-second play where Chris Paul turned it over, and then we got lucky and got a uh, there's not a there's not an Atlanta, equivalent Atlanta, I don't think, but like. In the Western Conference Finals, we'd go to the finals. Because it all lined up.
0: Minnesota Timberwolves would have to be your equivalent to Atlanta in the West.
6: Right, I actually thought that, and I just, right. But it's a very, you know, and they somehow snuck through. Like, yeah, that's 100%. That's, that's kind of 100%. So I I don't know. I mean, we're not right. Let's not, let's not like Pollyanna this thing.
0: I think the blown um, double-digit leads is a great point.
6: And I think the blown uh, now if I'm going to pile on a little bit. Like I'm like I'm not totally clear on what's going on, so I, I can float from one side of this issue to the other pretty fast. Um, so if I'm going to now pile on a little bit, is the seven double-digit leads the same thing that blows a three-one series lead to the Nuggets and a two-zero series lead to the? Clippers in a twenty five point halftime lead in that game, right? Like now are you gonna
0: stem take this back and say this is that there is the issue. Yes that there's I, like, my gut that, rea-
6: that's piling off.
0: Yeah, my gut reaction is you're on to something there.
6: So you know, and then but like and so my thought on that is it's actually the reason we don't didn't used to lose like, we've lost more games to below 500 teams this year than we did all of, again, I'm going to last year. Is that the same kind of question we started with? Is that actually a fair concept to even go to last year because of what we talked about? But the, my, my feeling on that is that we were really good defensively. And so if you get up by 10, or if you are playing a lesser team and you're really good defensively, it's really hard for someone to beat you. And we're not very good defensively,
0: David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Do you know you if... Uh... Next, you want
6: my next completely non-scientific issue that's going on in the NBA? I have no way to prove this. This probably shouldn't. This is not my greatest moment. Um, I'm relatively convinced without any data to prove it because I can't figure out how to prove it. Guys are not coming back right after COVID.
0: Well, taking, that I think taking, is a mixed taking bag.
6: Lo- taking longer than just coming out of health and safety protocols for the playwright. Let's go with that.
0: <clears throat> there, there are definitely, and I've definitely read stories with guys who are saying a month later, and I just I don't have the wind. I can't, you know, I can't catch my breath. You know, six minutes. I mean, it's almost like hockey shifts for some of these guys. You know, they can come in and they can go hard, but they they can't play a full quarter. Right. I mean, they just can't. Now, I think there are other guys who are coming in, and they are. I think that's the crazy thing about COVID is that, you know, one person is asymptomatic, another person is sick, and another person is hospitalized. And for somebody else, it's fatal. You know, right. and, and you don't know who's who, and it doesn't always make sense, and you just got to go case by case for how it plays out. And I've, I've even talked to some people here in town who've had it, and the two times they had it were different. You know, one one time they had it, they cruised through it. The other time they had it, it was pretty bad.
6: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I know. So as I said, like I was trying to play around with numbers. I don't know what I was going to try to find. Like, is it a four game sequence, a five game sequence? But I just think we're just have, you know, that's that's worth noting that there's something. You know, I'm not sure if it's quite right. So it's a hard it's a hard season. I think you like. Here's what we're actually talking about, David. And this is at least from my standpoint, where it's very difficult. So we're talking about the dog days, which you brought up, hundred yep. percent. These are the dog days. Like this is, if you want to know how an NBA ble- player believes about forty one, it's not like, oh, cool, we're done forty one. It's oh dear God, there's forty one left. <laughs> like that, that's that's how they see it. So that's for part one. Part two, we're dealing with a pandemic that is taking players in and out of the lineups at a really weird inconsistent rate and at a high rate at one time for teams, right? You didn't used to have five players get hurt at one time. Number two, you're having a recovery from a from COVID that we don't actually understand. Number three, we're coming off a season last year that was not normal or natural and might not actually be good data points by which we're having reference points. And that really makes all of this very difficult. Like, if you're Danny Ainge and Justin Zanick going into a trade deadline, I don't know what your reference point is on what you think this team. It's, you're obviously watching what you're watching on the court, but like it's a very, I, I'd have a very hard time making decisions based on the last seven games. I'm not entirely sure I feel comfortable making decisions off 72 games of last year.
0: So this is unrelated to everything else, but since you bring up the trade deadline. I'm curious how you value Jeremy Grant because he is the one guy, if he's actually going to be moved, and I'm not 100% clear on why Detroit's going to move him or if they should or if they will. I think if I were them, I wouldn't probably, but maybe you'll educate me on why I'm wrong about that. Uh, they're, they're going to have cap room next year. they got $50 million coming off their salaries. they got Cunningham, number one pick, young talent, the grand. If they add a piece or two to that, it seems to me they could be at least decent pretty quickly. But if they do move him, as a guy who's got some size, and a guy who is definitely athletic, and a guy who, when he's on good teams, can shoot the three well. He's got a couple of years in the league shooting at 39%. He's not doing it in Detroit now. Uh, but I think if he were on a a good team, that number could come back up. He shoots free throws well. You can play him at the end of games. Not worry about that. He checks a lot of boxes. If if he moves, can he really tip the balance of power? So
6: true. Multiple things here. One is Detroit moves him if they get two first round picks. Okay, that's yeah. what I've heard. Detroit. We don't have two first round picks. Right. So that eliminates us largely from the conversation. I think the biggest question you'd have to have on Jeremy Grant is Jeremy Grant got offered the exact same money, amount of money from Detroit as he did in Denver. But he went to Detroit because he wanted to prove that he was the man, that he could get the ball and he could make plays and he could be the guy instead of being a complimentary police piece in Denver. Respect that 100%. But so you better know where he is now. Because the player you just talked about is the fourth, if not fifth option on the floor. And is he willing to be the fourth or fifth option on the floor? The last one I would say is I do think he's long and athletic and probably pretty good defensively, but he also just made a major career move based on offense, not defense, and that tells you something. And I think it's interesting that Jazz fans think he's good defensively because Donovan Mitchell torched him in the bubble. (laughs) Like, torched him. Like, it's so interesting to me that we, like, go back to Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant is these defensive players, Donovan killed both of them in the playoffs. Killed them.
0: Well, the excuse, which I think Jazz fans should actually provide, is when you're really good and you're in the zone, you can make a lot of people look bad. And Donovan's really good and he's in the zone. And so he made him look bad.
6: Okay. So, that, yeah, I just I just was, you know, I've yeah. always had fun with that. Like, it's interesting yeah. to me that, like, our fan base is the one that, like, leaves Jeremy Grant
0: well, and I'm I'm not completely convinced that he's coming to the Jazz. When I asked you if he changes the balance of power, you know, does he change the balance of power if he goes to any other team?
6: Um, he would help the Lakers, but I don't know how they get that done. They don't have any draft picks either. It's an interesting trade deadline. The Lakers have no draft picks to trade. The Clippers have no draft picks to trade. Yeah. Jazz have no draft picks to trade. I just read a story
0: about this. Yeah, you're right.
6: The Suns could probably do some things, but Robert Sarver is not wanting to go over the luxury tax in his career. Um, Unless he thinks it's his last gas, then maybe he knows something. Um, You know, it's just an interest. The Warriors are so far over the luxury tax, I can't imagine them making, adding anything on. Um, So it's an interesting trade deadline, I think. And I—I I mean, I'll be honest. I played Trade Machine last night. I went through every single roster on every single team. I, I didn't come up
0: with a whole lot. All right, David, we will leave it there. We appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you. You're the best. I hope you're good. And uh, you know, all, all good things to David James.
0: <laughs> well, right back at you, David. Thank you. Okay. See you buddy. All right. See ya. DJ and PK. Yak's on the phone, which is odd because I think Yak wants to do something on the phone, but I don't want to say it and mess it up because I messed it up yesterday. I don't like to tease people. You want to do it now, Yak? You feeling it? All right, what do you got, Yak? So we got jazz tickets. Uh huh. They are for next Wednesday against the Phoenix Suns. So that's big, big game. Yeah, big showdown. Big game. Here Man now Man people Reno. could be really depressed by then. True. By then, let me do math. You know, it's great when I do math on the radio. It could be uh, ten of thirteen. Ten of thirteen. <laughs> no, even worse. now. it could be twelve of thirteen. No, it wouldn't be 12 of 13. <laughs> you should, they play tonight, Sunday, Monday. So they've lost seven of 10. There's three wins in there. Oh, okay. You're going the bigger picture. Yeah, I'm, I'm going, going the shorter picture. term. Okay. I was going 2022. Gotcha. Okay. So it could get a lot worse. But we yeah, tickets all the same. That's On the happen. other hand, they beat Detroit tonight. They split the road games with Golden State and Phoenix. People would be amped for that game. I'm having problems getting rid of that stat David had about the uh, blowing double-digit leads in the second half. That one's sticking with me. Well, if you want to... That one's sticking with me. Watch that not happen, hopefully. Call us right now. All right, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now, and you can win tickets to see the Jazz and the Suns next Wednesday. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klipkoff said.
9: I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and, and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a band-aid on it and say, "No, we're we're in a good spot. We we'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us you know, it's a building year, you know, but but man, next year things are going to be good." Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change.
5: That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLsports.com.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got the question up on Twitter. David DJ James, who's going to play in the NFC title game? Who's going to play in the AFC title game? Big football games coming up. We're going to talk about that with Scott Mitchell. He is going to join us next. Flashback to his days in the NFL and uh, get his picks on the games. Right now, 40% of you believe Rams at Packers will be the NFC title game, although 38% think it'll be the Bucks at the Packers. And we got the conspiracy theorists saying, you know the NFL wants Brady and Rodgers. Watch the holding penalties closely. 32% of you think Bills at Titans for the AFC title game. Go to David DJ James, vote. We'll keep you updated. Uh, One thing to run by Scott. I'm going to talk about this with him. The AFC now, and, and I got people tweeting at me about this, that the AFC title game, you know you want to see Mahomes and Burrow. Well, I do. That'd be great. But I'm not completely opposed to seeing Burrow versus Allen either. Teams don't completely ride their quarterback, but they largely do. And there are a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC Who's a slam dunk? Who's probably going to make it? Who's probably not? Who has no chance? Here's a list of young quarterbacks in the NFL. Mahomes is 26, so next year he's 27, he's in his prime. But Mahomes and Baker Mayfield are both 26. Burrow, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson are 25. Herbert and Jones are 23. The Chargers and the Patriots are A, in the playoffs, B, eliminated at the last second of the last regular season game, and they've got 23-year-old quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is 22. That's eight really good, really young quarterbacks in the AFC, and I haven't mentioned anybody who went to Corner Canyon and BYU yet. So that's nine that have either shown something early, or in the case of Lawrence and and Wilson, it's year one, they're high draft picks. Let's see where it goes. But you got five guys who've won playoff games. You got a sixth in Mac Jones who's been to the playoffs, and then you got Herbert who's right there. Threw for 5,000 yards, but the Raiders knocked him out in the final game. There could be some great rivalries. Now, some of these guys probably won't trend well and the team will be giving up on them in three years. But it, who is that person? Well, we'll ask Scott Mitchell that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 to the zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 to the zone. It's time now to talk NFL playoffs with Scott Mitchell here in the afternoons on Unrivaled here on the Zone Sports Network. Scott, good morning. Thanks for getting up early. Welcome back in.
9: Hey, no problem. Uh, I'm glad you had me at 9, because 8 o'clock, I'd have been asleep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can can work with you on that. (laughs) That's negotiable. (laughs) All right, so I want to uh, completely geek out. And before we get to who's going to win the games... I'm curious what you think about the future of the young quarterbacks in the AFC. It seems particularly loaded right now. A new generation has taken over. There's some teams that still have work to do. Obviously, Pittsburgh's going to have to replace Roethlisberger. Nobody's exactly sure what's going on in Houston. Maybe Mills is their guy. Denver's going to need a quarterback change. There's a few teams that have some stuff to do. But listen to this list of young quarterbacks. 26-year-old Patrick Mahomes, 26-year-old Baker Mayfield, 25-year-old Joe Burrow, 25-year-old Josh Allen, 25-year-old Lamar Jackson. All of those guys have already won playoff games, and Mahomes has won the Super Bowl. You've got 23-year-old Mac Jones who has been in the playoffs now with the Patriots. The Chargers have Herbert, who threw for 5,000 yards. He's 23 years old. And then you've got Wilson and Lawrence, who've only had a year in the league, and they went to really bad teams, so we'll see where they go. But that is a lot of young quarterbacks. I'm curious, they can't all pan out. Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl, so he's panned out. Who do you really doubt in that group? You can say the arrows up for everybody, but is there someone who the arrow is less up for? Or someone you think has a uh, a fatal flaw that will be uncovered? They can't all win because they're going to go head to head.
9: No, it, it is it is an impressive list, and but I, I think I think the group as a whole. I mean, the ones you've listed, they'll they'll have kind of ebbs and flows through their careers. These, these guys are probably well. The two that are the question mark right now are probably. Uh, trevor lawrence and zach wilson and a lot of it is kind of are they going to get the talent around them uh trevor lawrence there's some question about whether he can actually get up to speed on reading nfl defenses and the complexity of kind of schemes is it's more than than when you're in college and 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 he kind of had a bit of a A challenge with that. Zach Wilson, there's still a lot of question mark with him. Just just because he's with the Jets is enough of a question mark. But uh, he was was pretty erratic because some of these guys, you know, I mean, Mac Jones with the Patriots and what he did and the fact that they got rid of a veteran guy in Cam Newton. Cam's probably on his way out anyways. But uh, for what he did as a rookie and leading them into the playoffs, uh, that's exceptional, and and that will just carry on to next year. As far as talent goes, he's probably the probably the least talented of all of the guys there. Uh, the the guy who's just really, I think, he just continues to get better and and improve is Josh Allen. The performance they had, I mean, they were perfect. Like they had this, you know, I mean, they didn't punt; they just scored every every time they had the ball. And he's a guy that just seems to shine in the big moments. They're not they're not beyond him. Uh, but I I'll tell you the guy I think I don't I don't, I don't want to say he's going to surpass Patrick Mahomes because I think that's hard. I think Patrick Mahomes is the generational guy. He's he's the he's the face of of the NFL. He's the face of all of these young quarterbacks. But Joe Burrow at Cincinnati to win a playoff game they haven't won one in 31 years. And he's a guy I've always really liked, and I've really liked that he uh, he shows up in big moments. When he was at LSU, and just the gauntlet of games that he went through, and he didn't just play in those games; he was far superior to everyone in you know, in playing the Alabamas and playing in a an SEC championship game, and then playing a national championship game, and just the dominance that he showed then, and then the way he's just continues to get better in the NFL. He, you know, he's, he's, he's a heck of a player. It's hard for me, DJ, to really say, yeah, I like, I like, I like all of them. Mac Jones probably the least talented Justin Herbert could be a guy, you know, it's still, he kind of lost down the stretch and and really looked for them to kind of make the playoffs. And so, you know he's a guy that maybe has a has a ceiling but I, I would take i would take uh joe burrow and i would take uh uh, J- uh josh allen as kind of some and i'm i'm just going to take patrick mahomes out he's he's just he's already there but those those two guys i think kind of will probably lead the pack with this young group
0: so the games this weekend well the, two of these guys are ready to go head to head right now you got the bills, or you got the chiefs?
9: Um, you know <laughs> I'm gonna take the bills i i did i know I know Kansas City is this team that uh, I, I just I think the bills are just ready to take that next step. I don't think they're I don't think they're afraid of of Kansas City I, I think they have the confidence they could beat them they've been they've been in this situation. Before It's unfortunate that this game's a divisional game because, quite frankly, this would be a heck of a Super Bowl, but it is what it is. But I, I just I just feel like the, the Bills are a team ready to take that next step.
0: They went to Kansas City in October and won 38-20. to And tell me which team passed the eyeball test right out of the gate in the playoffs last weekend. Well, the Chiefs were starting slow, punting three times, turning the ball over twice. The Bills were dialed in, scoring on every single possession. Now, speak ill of Kansas City at your own risk, because they're trying to go to the third straight Super Bowl and their fourth straight AFC title game. But I am with you. At the start of the year, I thought this would be the AFC title game. So congratulations to Tennessee for getting the one seed and turning this into a divisional game. But Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. And he's going to have a steel plate. We ran the bite yesterday. He, this is right out of his own mouth at his press conference. He's going to give it a go. He feels pretty good, but he's got a steel plate in his foot. That's a huge but. I mean, of all the things you can say as an athlete, but I've got a steel plate in my foot, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big thing to worry about.
9: Well, it's one, of, it's one of those things where it can go, it can go either way. You know, because you've you've got you've got a guy who's now rested, and he's talent. I mean, and and that that team really kind of goes around him. It, it's it's the mantra of uh, Mike Vrabel, the coach. You know, this this kind of tough. We play great defense. We we ball control. Uh, start with the run game. I mean, it, it's counter to everything that happens in the NFL today, and it works. I mean, they have the personnel to make it work. Yeah, but if you have a guy who's been out for a long time. He can either be rusty or he can be rested, and and you just you just don't know what you're going to get. And to your point, you know, the uh, having a plate in his foot, it, you, you don't know how much he stands up to the rigors of of a game, and and it, it's hard. It's hard to come back and say, you know, just be at full speed, full strength, and not have had really any game type of uh, you know pressure. That uh, you know, some guys just don't react well to it, and some guys say, you know what, for a game, uh, I may be a superstar, and and we'll deal with the the aftermath of it. But um, if he plays and plays well, I still like the Cincinnati Bengals. I just I think this is a team. I I think there's I don't know that there might I don't know that there's a player who has more confidence in his ability than Joe Burrow. I played in Cincinnati, right, and and. And it's not it's not a great place uh, from an organizational standpoint to play and feel like you have a lot of confidence in things that are happening there. Great fan base and great, I mean, uh, an amazing fan base with the with the Bengals. But when you have a young quarterback, he, like I don't care about history, I don't care about the Bengals, and I and I just think Joe Burrow is kind of that guy, and he's got that talent, and he's got a he's got a game that holds up under pressure. He's very very mechanically sound he's got a lot of talent around him and it's a team that believes in themselves and it would not shock me at all if if actually the the Bengals won this game and that I would pick the Bengals that's who I am picking but I I like him and I like them
0: well when you say not great from an organizational standpoint I trust you because you played for the Lions so you've got some you had some experience with not great from an organizational standpoint
9: you
2: know the Lions were good though, DJ.
9: The, the organization, you were at were the best years, the players. Yeah, yeah, they really were. But uh, Cincinnati, you got one pair of socks, and you had to make those socks last the entire year. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking.
0: <laughs> Way to draw a line in the sand that I can't argue with. <laughs> hey, Cincinnati, we had one pair of socks, DJ. What do you got to answer that? I got nothing for that. You got me. (laughs) All right, so the NFC games, you take two AFC road teams. I assume you're taking Green Bay at home over the Niners. And when I say something like that on the radio definitive, I think, all right, how am I going to be wrong about this? How are people, what am I missing? And it seems to me the one thing I'm missing here is the Niners defensive line can be incredibly disruptive. How did a 9-7 and giant team beat Tom Brady and the Patriots? Well, they had a front four that was incredibly disruptive. And if you can get to the quarterback with four and then the other seven guys, now it's five on seven out there, so good luck with that. So can the Niners' D-line do it, or they got no chance and the Packers are going to win?
9: Look, any any D-line that can get to a quarterback with four people is going to win probably 100% of the time. <laughs> I mean, that. Pressure is the name of the game in the NFL uh, when you are dealing with quarterbacks. Uh, divisional games, Aaron Rodgers is really good. He's had an amazing season this year. Uh, it, it, it's hard when you're a team uh, like San Francisco where it's like traveling two weeks in a row and it's and you're a West Coast team and it's it's not necessarily all the way across the country. You know, they had to go to Dallas. It's a decent trip. Uh, they have to go back home, and then they have to go to uh, Green Bay again. I mean, that that's really that is a factor that's real mm-hmm. and not talked about a lot. But it it, it plays into it. Really hard for a team to go on the road like that um, and and travel a, a longer distance. And 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 then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is good, been to a Super Bowl, you know one big playoff games, one big in in Dallas and I mean that's huge. Anytime you can win a playoff game but but win on the road, big deal. Really cold weather game, never played in cold weather. The travel lag uh, you know, you've got you've got Aaron Rodgers who just continues to amaze me at what he's done and 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 I, I just I just don't see the Packers losing this game.
0: Tampa Bay hosting the Rams. The short shorthanded. They were missing their top two rushers last week, although Giovanni Bernard did some good stuff for them, but they didn't have Fournette. They didn't have Ronald Jones as second. Their leading receiver, everybody thinks Mike Evans, but actually Chris Godwin had more catches and more yards, but Evans had more TDs. So Godwin's out with an ACL. Um, Antonio Brown, eh, obviously. Okay, so he's <laughs> he's he's gone there too. Do they have enough with Evans and with Gronk? Is Brady going to get this done? Or the Rams, who've really loaded up with veterans, man, the future is now. Win now can they go in there and do it?
9: When you when you talk about don't bet against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh-huh. I mean, and, and I think Tom Brady's kind of in that same. Yeah. It's so hard to bet against Tom Brady. But but this attrition with this team uh, and the injuries, and, and there has to come a point. I mean, there just has to come a point where – where tom brady and his age and and that really plays into it and he he's a guy that's kind of doesn't really get bothered by okay this guy's out you know we'll find another way we'll find another uh player to to get things done so he i don't think tom brady's really phased by maybe the lack of some, some of these guys like you know i i'm I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm wily enough to figure a new way, a different way to beat you, and and uh, and he's really good at that. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know if that's as much a factor. Tom Brady's been amazing in divisional football games. I mean, he's thrown more touchdowns in divisional football games than I think I threw in my entire career. Uh, so he's he's really really good in those games. But a lot of it is because divisional games for him in a lot of his career have been his first playoff game. He's got that first week by. And I just think having an extra game late in a in a 17-game season, uh, I just wonder if there isn't some fatigue with the Bucs. And, and they're a team that, you know, they're the Super Bowl champions. And so they get everybody's best shot. And... And that's a hard thing to deal with. It's a hard thing to repeat. And so it's not just it's not just this game. It's all season long. That's all they've seen. It's like every team goes, we're playing the the, the Super Bowl champs. And so they're it, it it can wear and grind on you. And you kind of see some of these injuries happening late in the year. And you just have to wonder if it's because of uh, you know every game you've played this year has been a Super Bowl for the teams you're playing against. And, so the emotion, the, the physical um, abuse that you've taken that may be a little bit extra than other teams is, is a challenge. But then you have Matthew Stafford, a guy who's played and won only one playoff game. It's a big divisional game. He's extremely talented. Uh, the Rams defense is, is a good defense that travels well. I, I really I picked the Rams from the beginning of the season to be the Super Bowl champion, and, and I, I know it's crazy, but I'm going to pick the Rams.
0: So these games are largely rematches. I don't know about Titans Bengals, but I know the other three are rematches. Is there a coach that you trust more when you're getting a second look? Because the the Rams beat the Bucks earlier this year, and they beat them pretty good. And, and Brady threw for 432 yards, but. The Rams won thirty four twenty four, 24 and it wasn't that close. They were up 17 multiple times in that game. So is there a coach you trust more when they get a second bite at the apple to turn things around?
9: You mean that's in the playoffs? Or, I mean, right, yeah. They would, yeah. would be
0: in these games right now.
9: I mean, if you're talking about the guy – I mean, Bruce Arians is amazing to begin with, and uh, – but you've got Andy Reid too. I mean, I mean I I wouldn't bet against Andy Reid. <laughs> and I did, but I I you know, I don't don't necessarily uh agree with that. And then and then really everyone else is uh I mean those are those are really the two guys I think in rematch games that you would you know, I would I would certainly lean on uh I, the way they the way the teams handle it if they're smart is they they you know, they look at how a team is right now a lot of these matches are earlier on mm-hmm. in the season. Yeah. Very different circumstances, and and so you know it's not as big a factor maybe as it as it normally would be. Uh, it, 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 you know, it always boils down to finding the right matchup that uh, you have you have an advantage of, and and really exploiting that. And that that can change because guys can get injured or or whatever, and and it's just it's always. You know, Don Shula always used to say, "This game is really simple. It's about blocking and tackling. Whoever does that better wins." And and that and so a lot of that you know changes from day to day, week to week, and in you know season to season.
0: He's Scott Mitchell. He's not up at 8 a.m., but he's ready to talk football at 9 a.m., and he'll be talking football this afternoon, unrivaled. You'll hear him right here on the Zone Sports Network leading into the Jazz pregame show at 6 and then the Jazz game tonight at 7. Scott, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and we'll hear you this yeah, always afternoon. Always pleasure. All right. Thanks. Scott Mitchell, checking in right there. Yeah, he was in a locker room with Don Shula. That's pretty cool. If you're young, maybe not, but, man, Don Shula for a big chunk of my life— He's a man. I forgot that he coached a playoff game once on like a motorized scooter. It was like smaller than a motorcycle, bigger than a wheelchair. I don't know what to. It was this motorized cart, and he'd had leg surgery or ACL or heel. I can't remember what it was. He had something going on medically. He was on the sideline of that thing. I remember looking at that, thinking, "How's he going to get out of the way if everybody comes flying over to that side of the field?" It happens real quick. How's it going to happen? But the uh, it's a pretty good collection of memories for uh, Scott there to to start out with the Dolphins and later on play for the Lions. He was in Baltimore for a little while, too. So you know, there's Scott this afternoon. DJ and PK coming up next. Everything you missed in this show. We'll recap it next. And, Yach, what do you want to do? We're going to have another pair of Jazz tickets to as well. So Is it for tuned. the Suns game again? It's for the Suns game. Correct. Woo. Wednesday night, Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz. are playing twice in three days. Jazz play the Warriors Sunday night in Golden State. Back-to-back, they fly to Phoenix and play Monday night, and then the Suns and Jazz come up here and play again Wednesday. So that whole theory I just ran by Locke, and we'll talk about this coming up, get you up to speed on everything you missed in the show, about playing to the level of the competition, which David did not want to sign off on. He did not agree with that. But we'll see if the Jazz do it, and we'll see what they do with the Pistons tonight. We'll give away those Jazz tickets next. Stay with us, DJ and PK at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
5: This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson.
8: Trevor Allen, of course, covers the youths for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that.
5: Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to New. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Powered by KSLsports.com.
0: 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at Lee'sHeatAC.com. Yikes playing to Meatloaf this morning because Meatloaf died yesterday at the age of 74. He passed away. And Louis Anderson, comedian, dying at the age of 68 today. He'd had cancer. And there are a lot of people who believe these things happen in three. So I don't know if we're going to hear an announcement about a third celebrity here shortly. Or did I miss one before Meatloaf? I guess that's a possibility. I don't recall one. I always thought this was a gray area. I mean, is it like three in like three days, three in a week, uh, 10 days? How close together? I don't know. It's just kind of thing people say. Okay, before we get to the sports, it's kind of morbid and weird. I got talked into doing it one time. It took about five years to get me talked into it. And then I did it. It was really weird, so I never did it again. I had an agent Uh, when I first got started in TV. Well, actually, when I got started in TV, I didn't have an agent. But I had an agent who helped me move to Sacramento and then Salt Lake. And then she changed firms and left. Her husband and a couple of his friends did a death pool thing. Where at the start of the year, they predict which celebrities are going to die in the next calendar year. And when I heard that, I had never heard of that before. And I found it kind of weird. But eventually, they talked to me, and I did it one year, and then it was weird, and I didn't do it. I subsequently found out that this is something that is actually done fairly regularly. It's not that uncommon. A lot of you are shaking your heads like, I've never heard of that. But plenty of you are shaking your heads right now going, oh, yeah, I've done that. Oh, yeah, me and my buddies do that. Yeah. You ever done it, Yak?" I've heard of it. But you haven't? Yeah, haven't no, done it. I, it's weird when you're sitting there with a list. Like, like I mean, I'm not wishing this on these yeah, people. I wanna, but I, I wanna, yeah, I want to. You're dead, dead. Like, just, that doesn't. So, did people put Betty White in the pool for 15 years and then one year they don't? Like, I'm tired. I've been wrong every year. Well, and then now and she, you she passed the, away. You saw the magazine cover, right? She was three weeks from 100 and they'd already pr- printed the, the cover and had the it ready cover. to go. Yeah. And it's it. Yeah. You can buy it in store still, I think. Well, those two, uh, Meatloaf and Louie Anderson, passed away so close together, reminded me of that. All right, uh, we had a lot. We hit this morning. We had David Locke on, and I ran by. Hey, th- they ran this theory by. Them. The Jazz are 3-7 and seven in the last 10, but they've beaten Denver twice. They're getting up for the good teams. They play a seven-game series with Denver. It's a great series. They end up losing it on the last shot in the last second of the last seventh game, right? Jokic is an MVP. Jokic's putting awesome numbers up. He's now had three straight triple-doubles, and he shot 55% from the floor in all those games. Highly efficient. He puts up a shot. You can't say anything, but all right, sweet. Jokic put up a shot because he's shooting 55%. And nobody's done that in the NBA since Wilt Chamberlain in 1968, and Chamberlain was dunking, and he did it in six straight games because Wilt did some awesome stuff. So the Jazz get up for these Nugget games, and they win them. And they're not getting up for these other games, and they're blowing them. And when I brought that up with Joe, you could kind of hear a groan. Oh, I don't know how to describe the nose. <laughs> no, no, uh, noise. But it was one of those things where maybe it hadn't occurred to him, but boy, it sure did when I said it, and it might be some of that. Locke wasn't buying it. Locke's thing, though, was that this team has blown double-digit leads in the second half seven times, and they had a 13-point lead in the third quarter Wednesday night. And lost to the Rockets, gave up a 15-0 run, went down two immediately and ended up losing the game. Locke said they're 22-7 and seven this year when they have double-digit leads in the second half. And then over the previous couple of years, they had been 80-7. and seven. They got the double-digit lead, it was pretty much over. Ten times out of 11, it was over. And that is not the case this year. So that was the thing he was pointing at. And then the other thing he hit on is that everything that happened last year, last year was a screwy year. And a lot of the things that were screwy played in the Jazz, uh, to the Jazz benefit. And he thought maybe we were leaning on those data points too much. There were guys lost to COVID, but not with the Jazz. There was a short turnaround after the playoffs for some of the best teams that went to the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, but not for the Jazz because they went out in the first round. They had more rest time. There weren't shootarounds and practices. The Jazz had a team that was largely together and familiar with each other. Other teams that made personnel moves, it really hurt them to lose those practices and shootarounds. So last year, tainted might not be the right word, but it was different. And the differences broke the Jazz way. Having I mean, said all that? I see the Jazz still losing the bottom quarter of the league. And if they were just winning those games, if they didn't have the league's best record, they would be real close to the Suns. And to Locke's point, lots of teams are winning and losing games because players are out. So you've got to take this whole regular season with a grain of salt. Presumably we'll be past this surge. <coughs> That's me knocking on fake wood. When we get to the playoffs, and everybody will be at full strength. The Jazz have won games because other teams have been shorthanded. The Jazz have lost games because they've been shorthanded. Now, along the way, have they played some bad basketball? Obviously, they have. At some of these games, they've lost when they're shorthanded. They should have won anyway. But the fact is, the Jazz are not winning the NBA championship shorthanded. They may not win the NBA championship at full strength, but they are not winning it shorthanded. So, to a certain degree, anything happens when Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are out, pfft, Whatever. Because without Donovan and Rudy, they are not coming anywhere near an NBA title. They're just not. They've got to have, not only have to have those two guys, they really have to have their full complement. Now, you can say other teams have won without their full complement and a guy could step up. I'm not convinced the Jazz are that good. They're good enough to win it, but I think they have to have all their guys. Hassan Whiteside has had some bad moments. Would you rather have him or Doak under pressure in the NBA playoffs, for the in the play? I mean, he's playing twelve minutes now, and Rudy's playing thirty six, basically, depending on how close the game is. But in the playoffs, you know, Rudy could end up playing thirty eight or forty minutes. For those eight or ten minutes, who would you rather have? And you could all say, "Hey, I remember the night Hassan Whiteside threw the ball straight to the other team, and then watched while a guy drove at him and dunked." I know, I saw it too. There's a big gap between what the Jazz get from Rudy to what they get from Hassan. But there's a big gap from what they get from Hassan to what they get with everybody else. They're going to need everybody. know, Rudy Gay's been out. They need Rudy Gay. And he missed some games. But they need Rudy Gay. They need another veteran shooter. At times, the small ball has looked okay. At times, it's looked like a disaster. And that may well just come down to matchups. That may not even be something they can improve over the next 30 games. It may depend on who they're out there against and how they're playing. So, Jazz and Pistons tonight. And then, then it's on. Warriors on the road Sunday. Suns on the road Monday. Back home for the Suns on Wednesday. Of course, the Warriors are shorthanded. And I know we're all frustrated because the Jazz lost to the Pacers. There were only three games last night. If you missed it, the Warriors lost to the Pacers in overtime. And Steph Curry went off. I think he went for 38 or 39. 39, I think. He had a huge game, and they still lost. They don't have Draymond Green. He's got a calf injury that somehow is tied to his back injury. I don't know. And I know you all start seeing the back bone's connected to the hip bone, to the leg bone, to the knee bone, to the calf bone. Right, right. And I'm sure somehow it's all linked. But, man, you got a bad back, and that's causing the rest of your body to break down? That's not good. And without Draymond Green, they're not going to be as good defensively. He gives them the opportunity to match up with a lot of different lineups that can get thrown at them by a lot of different teams. You take him out, that's a hit. It just is. It's like if you take Rudy Gobert out. It's a hit. Are the Warriors winning the title out of Draymond Green? I wouldn't think so. Maybe Draymond will be healthy by the playoffs. But right now, there's a bad loss. And the Suns, who win again and beat the Mavericks, are now three and a half games up in the race for the best record in the NBA. Three and a half up on the Warriors. Five and a half in front of the Grizzlies. Six and a half in front of the Jazz. We had Scott Mitchell in talking NFL playoffs. You may have just heard him. That was earlier in the hour. He took the road teams in the AFC. Titans. Getting beat at home by the Bengals. And the Chiefs getting beat at home by the Bills. It's not sexy brand names. But man, Josh Allen. Allen versus Burroughs. That would be be sweet. They're both 25 years old. we got a decade of these guys. A decade of Mahomes and Mayfield and Burrow and Allen and Jackson. And I don't know if Mayfield and Jackson can keep up with the other guys. And you got Herbert and Jones. Chargers and Patriots look like they have good young quarterbacks. And then we'll see if uh, Lawrence and Wilson, if those organizations can get it together and those guys can develop. A lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC right now. College basketball last night. Uh, highlight of the night, Barcelo telling the kid from USD, hey, look at that, pointed the scoreboard. Kid was chirping at him, saying something. He's going to line to shoot free throws. Man, the look on his face, too. You know, shooters are soft, and guys who block shots, rebound, and drive to the hoop, they're tough. I mean, that, that's a stereotype. And Barcelo's a shooter, but look at his face in that instance and tell me he doesn't have some major toughness. <laughs> Look at that! (laughs) And he just points to the scoreboard, and the refs right there watching the whole thing. But he didn't swear. He didn't yell. He wasn't flamboyant about it. Other moment in this game last night. I didn't. I was in an edit bay for all this game. um, So middle of the game, he gets bumped. Like he took a nice body check. Essentially, he turns around. This live ball action turns around. Holds the ball in front of him. Defender on his backside looks at the referee and essentially says. You gonna call that? <laughs> this is and this is in the middle of the action. And it was it was pretty funny. Good to be the senior in the vet. You can get that away. You with can get stuff. away with that. Yeah, that would have probably stuff. gotten somebody else. The freshman probably is. Well, because Atiki tiki Atiki got thrown out of the game last mm-hmm. night for a contact above the shoulder. So <laughs> Yeah. And Troy delivered again. Another double double. Two bigs down, and the freshman steps up. 14-11. and 11. And shooting off the bench was, you know, this is a team that has played some low-scoring games, is really struggling to to score. But Knight and George came off the bench and hit some shots and uh, and BYU, close game, but in those final 15 minutes really even in the final five, they will make the plays and beat USD. The youths were not good game against UCLA. They never flinched. They, they were there the whole way. If you're waiting for UCLA to blow the game open, that didn't happen. And for the Utes, those offensive possessions at the end, you can't complain about what happened defensively. And before the game, you said is going to score 63 points tonight. You take it. Now, you can break down any possession and say this was messed up, that was messed up, and it's true because UCLA got 63 points. But, man, if you're defending and you're holding teams to 63 points, especially ranked teams, but really any team, you have given yourself a great chance to win, but they just cannot put the biscuit in the basket. An offensive charge. One for two at the free throw line. And then another possession at the end of the game where they had two three-pointers to tie and missed them both. And maybe they would have lost in overtime. There would have been a little time, especially if the first one went in, there would have been time for UCLA to go down and try and win the game. But UCLA was struggling to score at the end of the game, too. And the Aggies, yeah. uh, Boise State, late threes, including the game winner with two seconds left. There were like three big threes in the final three minutes. that guy made all night. I know, right? Right? And it looked like they were going to do it. They cannot figure out how to win close games. They have just lost. They've gotten into league play. They did win the close game at New Mexico in the pit. They won in overtime. But other than that, it's just one or two possessions at the end of games. The blowout was a seven-point loss. That was a three-point game in the final minute. The Aggies are playing everybody close, but they can't get over the hump. All right, DJ and PK, that's some what we have been talking about this morning. Your feedback coming up. we got a poll question up at David DJ James. Go to Twitter, David DJ James. Who's going to the AFC and NFC title games? Poll questions are up. You can vote. We'll update you on the results, some of the comments we're getting from them, and an Oregon Duck fan. <laughs> He's got his back up. But you know what? The Ducks are getting picked on anyway, so at this point, just bond with you guys. And even if what you say sounds hilarious to the rest of us, why not? Circle the wagons. You're the Ducks. We'll get to that coming up and your NFL picks, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yock wants to make somebody very happy right now. You got two tickets, Yock. I do. Jazz and the Suns Wednesday night? Correct. Who wants to go to the game Wednesday night? Utah Jazz. Phoenix Suns are in town. Two tickets right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call now. Winner next. Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
2: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK,
0: it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your feedback right now, everything you think about this show. And the feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. So you got a poll question up on Twitter. Who's going to play in the AFC title game? Who's going to play in the NFC title game? It's close. 31% of the vote. Bills at Titans. So Tennessee knocks Joe Burrow out. They get something out of Derrick Henry, and they get that win. And the Bills go into KC and win, which they did do earlier this year. And Utah OSB tweets at me, Admit it, a Burrows versus Mahomes showdown would be awesome. I agree it would be. I would be all in. I think those two quarterbacks are wildly entertaining. I told you, I've been on the Patrick Mahomes train for years now. He is wildly entertaining. And even though it was funny— I fell for him at a loss. They lost the AFC Championship game to to New England, and they look so good doing it. (laughs) It was like one of those times where you look at the losing team like, I know you lost, but I am ready to watch more of you. And since then, they've won the Super Bowl, they've lost the Super Bowl, and now they're back in the divisional title game, trying to get to the AFC title game for the fourth straight year. I did tweet back at him, agreed, Burroughs versus Mahomes would be awesome. I I love it when he says, admit it. Like I (laughs) feel like I'm staring into a bright light handcuffed to a desk. Admit it. You did it. You're guilty. I admit it. Burroughs-Molls would be awesome. Now can I leave? But wouldn't Burroughs versus Josh Allen be awesome? I would absolutely be up for that. If Cincinnati is at Buffalo in the AFC title game, I get they're not these legacy franchises that draw huge ratings and generate emotion like the Cowboys and the Pagets. I don't care. I think it'd be wildly entertaining. Those are two young quarterbacks who are really good. Really good. Uh, we talked uh, college football earlier. We we're talking about Wilcox getting a new contract at Cal and Devin. The Oregon fan says Wilcox has never offered the Oregon job. Oregon interviewed him as a courtesy. That was about the extent of it. Same as Chip and Sataki. All three used it to get an extension and a raise. Good for them. <laughs> Oregon fan sitting on the mountaintop. We are not interested in your peons. We spoke to them merely as a courtesy. <laughs> That's a take that makes Oregon fans feel good about themselves. We seriously weren't interested in anyone other than the guy we got. We got our first choice for Oregon. We're very special. The rest of you, very happy you had a chance to even speak with us. It was merely a courtesy. <laughs> Devin, that is so dismissive. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I know Devin. A long time ago, I used to work at Channel 2. <laughs> <laughs> just stick it, man. When you're a fan, and yeah, you just put the arm around your guys and you hold on to them. I'm with them. I ride with these guys. <laughs> Oregon interviewed him as a courtesy. Oh, that is so dismissive. <laughs> I would tell you that's why everyone hates Oregon, Devin, but you're so used to everyone hating Oregon, you don't really care at this point anyway. So, Dr. Sarcastic Coog is going full NBA conspiracy theory on the NFL. The league and TV execs want Brady versus Rodgers. Should be fun watching the officiating this weekend. Right now, 39% of you think the uh, NFC title game is going to be Rams at Packers, and 39% of you think it's going to be Bucks at Packers. It's very close. All right, you can vote. Uh, those polls are up on Twitter at David DJ James. Thanks for weighing in on all of that. Thanks for listening this week. Have a good weekend. Jake and Ben are coming up next.